Welcome to the podcast. As Red Robin's voiceover artist, I'm here to explain bottomless. How do I get across free refills on fries and drinks? Well, here goes. Bottomless at Red Robin means free unlimited refills on the fries and sides that come with every burger or entree. That means free refills on steak fries, sweet potato fries, Yukon kettle chips, garlic fries, broccoli, side salad, soft drinks, iced teas, freckled lemonades, and even root beer floats. Offer doesn't expire until your appetite does. Whew, nailed it. Red Robin. Yum. When the on-air mic goes off, the talk talk begins. It's Talk Talk with Martha Quinn. These are the plaintiffs, Chrissy and Karina Velasquez. They say the defendant gave away a handmade arcade game that took 20 years in the making. Mm. The defendant, Ricky Filiar, a.k.a. Little Ricky, who says Pac-Man and Qbert needed an all-time new score. Please rise for the honorary judge, Ms. Martha Quinn. Thank you. You may all sit. Thank you for listening to episode number 142. This is the follow-up to episode number 141, which was appropriately titled, Our Boss Gave Away Our Precious Gift to Him. And we discussed how we found out that a custom gift crafted for our boss, Little Ricky, was Coldly and callously. I'm sorry. I, okay, maybe I'm leading the witness a little bit. Given away to someone else. And let me describe this handcrafted video game arcade. I mean, it was the size of an arcade that you would see in a regular arcade, like a Pac-Man game. It made out of wood. On the top, our station logo. When the screen is asleep, in other words, a game's not being played, Flashing up on the screen, it says Ricky's Arcade. Mm -hmm. There's a joystick, buttons, a place to put coins. Even though the game was free, we made it so it would be free. And I say we. I'm really cheating. Christine Karina <laughs> did the most work. I just went along for the ride. On the bottom, you see emblazoned the New York Yankees logo. My first question for the defendant, true or false, are you a New York Yankees fan? Yes. <laughs> true or false, is your name Ricky? Yes, true. So the fact that it says Ricky's Arcade, I believe we can confirm that this is a custom-made arcade, mm -hmm. especially for you. True. <laughs> Let me just say, me, Christy, and Karina can be heard Monday through Friday on 80s Plus at 103.7. We play you all your favorite 80s hits plus more. And the reason that we are even able to do this podcast and have little Ricky here in the studio is because little Ricky is our boss. And he is such a good boss that he has given us free creative reign to even go down this road. So, Ricky, let me just say right up front, you are awesome. We love you. You know we love you, which is why... You received a handcrafted video game to sit in your office. Christy walked into your office not that long ago and said, Hey, Ricky, um, Christy, why don't you take us inside that moment? Sorry. It just makes me emotional. I understand. I I, hang on. Here's a tissue. I understand, just, honey. I understand. Let's hold, let's know, hold your hand. Just, I'll hold you your know, hand, Christy. I understand. I was like, it's been a while since I've been in here. You know, we meet every week and I went in and there was an empty space. A hole in my heart, I guess you could say, um, where the video game once sat. <laughs> Basically, I said, hey, little Ricky, where's the video game that we got you? Did you throw it away? That's my first question. 
And I guess I could say he didn't say yes. He said, no, I didn't throw it away. That's hearsay. He should probably be saying this himself. But he said, no, I didn't throw it away. And I said, oh, what happened to it? He said, I gave it to Tony. You said you gave, gave it, it to Tony? You, you should have gave it back to me. He said, Tony's been asking for it since I got it. And so that is where I found out and when I found out that the game was gone. And how did your heart feel inside, Empty. Christy? Empty. Just like the <laughs> place where the game once sat in his office. Yeah. Like kind of shot through the heart. Shot yep. through the heart. That's how you felt in that moment. And Ricky, I was watching you walk in, and you know what I thought to myself? Guilty feet have got no rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> so, Karina, what did you do when you received this information that Ricky, sitting here, the plaintiff, our boss, had given the video game that we handcrafted, and I say we, I really mean you guys, handcrafted uh, away to Tony Sandoval, yep. a DJ on another radio station. And then what did you do, Karina Velasquez, to ascertain some evidence? I texted Tony right away, and I said, hey, Tony, have you? what happened to the arcade game? I heard uh, Ricky gave it to you, and he said... I don't know what you're talking about. What what does it look like? What does it have on it? What he completely denied the entire thing. So I said, okay, well maybe he doesn't have it. So I went and texted Carolyn. And I said, Carolyn, who is also at our sister station, she works with Tony. I said, have you seen the arcade game? She goes, I think he gave it to Tony, but I'm not sure. And so I was like, okay, well, Tony's really good at, you know, saying he doesn't have it. He doesn't know what I'm talking about. So maybe he doesn't have it. Turns out that's a lie. Because how do you know? Because his wife texted me over the weekend with a picture of the arcade game, and it's sitting in their dining room. And they and say it says pretty clearly, yep, Ricky's, Ricky's arcade. arcade with Yankees so, <laughs> logo all over it. But maybe it's not the same one. Ricky came to us and he said there are inaccuracies in our story. Maybe this is one of them. Ricky, please, we wanted to give you the opportunity to, in this episode, number 142 of Talk Talk with Martha Quinn, we ladies can be heard on 80s Plus at 103.7 on the iHeartRadio app as well. Um, so, uh, Ricky, please start with your inaccuracies. Well, first of all, you notice that I remain quiet. Mm -hmm. I know yes. you did. You were amazing. Let you plead your case. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when I heard the original podcast, mm -hmm. there was a lot of misrepresentations. Okay. <laughs> there were a lot of assumptions made <laughs> without any factual basis for them. Mm -hmm. And I was here. I'm here today. Okay. <laughs> to, to prove my innocence, I brought my receipts. <laughs> <laughs> you assumed uh -huh. that I just woke up one day. Mm -hmm. And said, I'm going to get rid of my video game. Okay. That was an assumption that you made. Correct. Mm -hmm. The circumstances around the video game being given to Tony uh -huh. are very specific. Okay. We were informed that we needed to clear all of our personal belongings out of our offices. And it, I believe we can nail down the fact that this is definitely a personal belonging, a personalized belonging. Definitely yes. personal. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. And I as just you, want to make sure. And as you know... Mm -hmm. My office was filled with gifts oh, yeah. given to me, mm -hmm. mostly by you, all of you, <laughs> but also some other people that I work with. Yes. Having said that, mm -hmm. the largest gift that I had was the video game. Mm -hmm. Now, keep in mind, we're talking a few months ago. So people were not allowed to go into my office because the 
the office was basically empty. Yeah, and it was the, closed. The, this was COVID the, time. The, the building was closed, mm-hmm. for except for a few people. So nobody could go in and use my video game. Mm-hmm. So to me, that seemed like a waste. But then I was informed that I had to clear out all of my personal belongings. So I came in and I cleared out with a couple of boxes all of my personal belongings. The one thing that I couldn't move for various reasons was my video game because A, I didn't have a truck, mm-hmm. B, there was nobody to help me, mm-hmm. and C, at the time, I was living in a one-bedroom small apartment. Nowhere to put it in my place. So I had an option. Should I get a storage unit for it where it would just sit there uh-huh. and no one will be able to enjoy it, mm-hmm. or... Do I give it to somebody who I know wants it and will enjoy it? Now, having said that, that doesn't mean it broke my heart to get rid of it <laughs> because it did. Mm-hmm. But I had to do what was, I, in my opinion, the best thing for the game. Yes. So okay. For Pac-Man and Cubert. Now, the fact that Tony didn't admit it, mm-hmm. I, have no re- I have no reason to understand why that's the case. Okay. But... He does have it, and he does play it on a regular basis. Yes. Now, I have been able to keep and cherish <laughs> all of the gifts that you've given me, probably many of which you don't even remember. I do. <laughs> I can just name off a few that I that I I truly cherish. I remember because you know we try and give thoughtful gifts, but please. My Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My $6 million man lunchbox. Lunchbox. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My jams from the IE floor mat. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And also my little sound gadget that that played Muttley's Laugh, the cartoon character. The list goes on and on and on. (laughs) I keep those and proudly display those where I live. I was not able to do the same with my video game, mm. but I was very distraught having to get rid of it, but I had to make a choice. Yeah. And now, that was a choice Now, how do we know how distraught you were? Could you please take us inside <laughs> your emotional... Like, we heard how Christy felt a coldness in her heart. Mm-hmm. Please take us inside your distraught heart. Well, you've known me long enough to know how I feel about certain personal possessions mm-hmm. and belongings yes. of mine. Yes. So it's not out of character for me to become emotionally attached to a gift, which is why I was so disappointed and distraught mm. when I had to part ways mm-hmm. with my video game. Mm-hmm. But now it's being enjoyed by somebody. I can visit it anytime I want. <laughs> you have custody. You have uh, partial custody. Joint custody. Yes, Joint custody. Joint custody. Um, do you have any cross-examination questions, Christy or Karina, for our witness? I actually would like to say um, that the video game could fit in an average size car. So people are thinking maybe this is one of the old school classic Pac-Man, like huge arcade games. But this is small. It's probably about the size of an office chair. Mm-hmm. An office chair can fit inside my car, which is a little tiny Hyundai Accent. And I would just like to ask the defendant here how big his John Lennon poster is. <laughs> we have a John Lennon that's poster. A, that's a valid question. Is housed in your home. If the witness would answer the question, please, that is a valid question. It is six feet by four feet. Okay. And it's flat 
<laughs> and it's a picture, which means it's on the wall. Okay. Okay. Did the defendant attempt to take the arcade game and ride it home on your scooter? <laughs> no, that would have been tricky, but <laughs> I think there's another important piece of evidence here, and that you can attest to uh-huh. is the fact that the video game was very fragile. Yes. Yes. Okay. Any kind of sudden movements, it would, I mean, something would break off of it. Well, well hey, you know, I only took it, it, one it, semester of woodshop, yeah, it, okay? It, <laughs> it wasn't a exactly a craftsman gem, <laughs> and it had a lot of components and wires that would fall out. Yes. If you just nudged it. Yes. yes. Okay. So, Hang on. Excuse me. The judge needs to make a note. Defendant throwing shade mm-hmm. on... Video game. Okay. Oh, mm-hmm. excuse me. I'm so sorry. Go ahead. So, given all of those circumstances, putting it in my car was not an option. Okay. Yeah. Now, the person that I gave it to mm-hmm. has a pickup truck, has people who could move it with him. Mm-hmm. I did not. Okay. Okay. So, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. the video game is in a home where it's enjoyed on a regular basis with somebody that I knew would enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Who gave? Who has also given me nice gifts over the years, thoughtful gifts, and we've all known this person for mm-hmm. well over. A, you've you've known him longer than I have. Yeah. Yes. So you know his character. Yep. You know yes. everything about him. We don't know why he lied. Yeah, that, I don't know why he lied, but I appreciate the fact that his wife Christina, who's very very sweet, super sweet, super sweet. So glad you locked that yes, down, Tony. Yes, please. Yes. Oh my thank God. You, thank yes, you. She was the you. one. She okay? was. Uh, we everyone saw Infinity it. Infinity and beyond. Uh huh. But she texted me photos and she said, "Thank you very much. We actually play this every week. It's a game between all of them, and they have a lot of fun with it. So they, I can appreciate that. They even have a sound system set up next to it, mm-hmm. and you can definitely feel the love." Why you lied about it, we don't know, but you can feel the love through the picture. Okay, Judge Quinn has two thoughts. Okay. Do the Sandovals have children? No. No. Okay, so it's just the two of them. Now, my other question is, shoot, now the judge forgot her. (laughs) (laughs) You had said to Christy, defendant, defendant little Ricky, you had said that Tony had been asking for the video game since you first got it. Correct. The judge feels that Tony, we have established his strength of character, would not ask you for a personalized video game that the Martha Quinn Show ladies crafted for you. True or false? I don't understand the question. (laughs) (laughs) What am I trying to say, Christy? You're trying to say, why would he ask for a personal gift? Because the gift is so personalized to you. Why would he be asking you for your personalized gift? Because it was really pretty freaking cool gift it, yeah. it is it was <laughs> well that would be trying that would be like me trying to read his mind so that's here so, you, know, you can't really he's, say he's not here to answer that question but i will say this mm-hmm. i had the gift for nearly five years yes so really it wasn't as, no it didn't seem like that long no it wasn't are you as serious though, yes so it wasn't as though he and he had been asking for it all along so it was only under very, very unique circumstances mm-hmm. that I decided, hey, in the past he's asked me for this. Mm-hmm. I've told him no because it's in my office. It's my gift. I've taken many pictures of it. I've shown it to everybody that I know. Mm-hmm. Ah, everybody okay. who I know knows <laughs> about that video game. The day, the day I got it, I sent, I texted everybody that I knew mm. my, my video game. Okay. Yeah. So 
to say that I didn't have an emotional attachment is an assumption that's not true. And to say that I just gave it to, to Tony <laughs> on a whim is not true. I actually, I actually turned him down many times over the course of almost five full years. Okay. And then when I was told that I had to make a decision, mm-hmm. that was the decision that I made. Okay. It doesn't mean that I don't miss the game. It doesn't mean that I, that I don't cherish the thought that went along with the game. All of that made me feel really bad. But I do know that the game is in good hands. I can visit it anytime I want. You can visit it anytime you want. And the fact that it has my name on it and my beloved Yankees logos on it. And all your high scores. And all, all of that stuff. Is that the truth? I only have you high scores. You can't handle the truth! She's been waiting all podcast to say that. She's been waiting. Just waiting for the moment to throw that one out there. That was good. That was really good. So with all of that said, I think that I've been able to explain why I made the decision that I did. And it wasn't done without a lot of deep and thoughtful consideration. Judge Quinn. Well, I just want to say that. You are. And I'm going to say this from the bottom of my heart. Hear me when I say this. The reason that you got all those gifts, including the video game and whatever, the Rock'em Sock'em robots, (laughs) is a mere spike protein on the outside of our complete love for you. You know we love you so much. We are a totally tight team. You Mm -hmm. know that we love you so much. (laughs) I'm I'm totally serious. All right. Well, thank you very much. The feeling is mutual. <laughs> I just hope that you ch- rule in my favor because. <laughs> oh, the court has a question. Why didn't you just ask Christy if she wanted it? I think because I think he stated because well, now I'm jumping on the defendant's side. Okay, really? No. Just going to jump <laughs> yeah. on the but other because, in the court. Because Tony really, really wanted it. Not like Christy didn't want it as bad, but the fact that he's been asking for it for the past five years and really wanted it and is enjoying it now. Well, okay. It's almost like a puppy. Like, I can't care for my puppy anymore. Can you take care of it? It's going to a good home. And there's one other thing that I think needs to be considered before the judgment, Mm -hmm. the ruling. Okay. And that is, (laughs) I could have easily said, oh, no, I took it home. Mm -hmm. That's true. I could have easily kept that from you and said, no, I took it home. That's where it's at. Mm -hmm. But I didn't do that out of respect for you, and I've never lied to you guys. Yes, that's what I, I thought when you told me. I said... You know, he, he didn't told lie. the truth. He told the truth. Yeah. He said what he did with it. And I appreciate that. Yes, I, I do. We all do. I appreciate, appreciate that. that. I do. So, I mean, I wasn't trying to hide anything from anybody. Nope. And I was always trying to be upfront and honest about it. Yeah. And when I say that, the same is true when I said that I was very distraught and upset when I had to get rid of it. It was not an easy decision. I had to think <clears throat> about that for a couple of weeks at least. Yeah. Well, the judge does not like to hear people being distraught and upset. The judge is really getting freaked out by that. The judge does not like that at all. Uh, all right, ladies, closing statement. I just want to say uh, I personally, I appreciate hearing about the um, emotional torment, at least. That makes me feel better <laughs> that our defendant went through. Uh, my proclamation is this. You can hear me and Christy, by the way, and Karina Velasquez together on the Martha Quinn Show, 6 to 10, Monday through Friday on 80s Plus at 103.7. Ask Alexa. Hey, Alexa, play 80s Plus at 103.7. Okay, here is my proclamation. Ricky, this is what I want to say to you. Years may come and go, but here's one thing I know. 
all my life. You're a friend of mine. The judge pronounces you guilty. No. <laughs> I think I think that we can let this go. I think that we can just call um, just uh, what do you say? I, I can't say guilty or innocent, but I can feel that we have talked it out. We have grouped hugged it. We have group yes. hugged it out. Yes. And I think we all feel a little bit better. Christy, do you? Because I feel like this might be. Um, I feel good. I feel good. All the way around. Her heart is full again. My heart is full. The hole has been filled with explanation and joy and happiness for where the game's life will continue now. Yes. And we're coming for you, Tony. to this episode of Talk Talk with Martha Quinn. Thank you, little Ricky, for coming in to be our defendant after last week's episode. That takes a brave man to face this court. We appreciate you. Until episode number 143, I am Martha Quinn. I'm Christy. I'm Karina Velasquez. And I'm innocent. <laughs> He's innocent. You're ready. Introducing Peacock, the new free streaming service from NBC Universal. It's hit movies, current shows, live sports, trending bits, and timeless hits. And that's why you can't not watch. Peacock, watch for free, upgrade for more. Stream now at PeacockTV.com. Law and Order SVU streaming now. Sign up for the newsletter so you never miss an update. Wow, I've got a whole five minutes before my next call. What should I do? Grab a snack? Nah. Text with mom? Hmm, that's more than a five-minute proposition. I have been looking at getting a new bank account. Is that even possible? Can't believe you have extra time? You won't believe what you can do with it. Open a Regions checking account online in as little as five minutes. Then enjoy award-winning service and banking tools and tech that help you live in the moment. Learn more at regions.com slash live in the moment. Regions Bank, member FDIC. Amazon is offering sign-on bonuses up to $1,000. Plus, get up to $20 an hour for select roles. The best part? We're hiring near you. So start now to take home something greater. New, higher wages with a sign-on bonus. A range of real benefits and career growth opportunities in a top-rated workplace. So earn more and see how great pay and sign-on bonuses can lead to a greater life for you. Go to Amazon.com apply. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me in the betters box. This is ATS.io's MLB betting podcast for Thursday, June 17th. I'm your host, Adam Burke. Make sure you check out the daily article over at ATS.io. Got three picks in it for today. Got some visuals in there to show you what to look for as you're looking for spin rate decreases over at BaseballSavant.com. So you can check that out over at the website. Make sure you download the ATS app, which you can find in the Google Play Store or in the Apple Store, a bet tracker, an odd screen, a stats database, a lot of helpful handicapping resources for you in that ATS app. And also make sure that over at ATS.io, you're checking out all of the other content as well. Sportsbook reviews, exclusive promo and bonus code offers, uh, updates on what's happening on a state-by-state basis, golf, NASCAR, UFC from me, WNBA, NBA, NHL from the other writers that we've got over there. Lots of good stuff for you to check out over at ATS.io. So I highly encourage you to do that. Real quickly, no MLB article for me Saturday and Sunday here of this weekend. Uh, I got a wedding happening, so 
know, plenty of things going on. It's not my wedding. I'm happily married. I'm not working on my second wedding, at least not as of yet. But I got some things going on here for this weekend. So no article coming up on Saturday or Sunday here over at ATS.io. But we'll be back with the betters box after the weekend and also an article coming up on Monday. So with that traditional format here for this Thursday edition of the betters box, we'll take a look beyond the box score, go down the lines, talk about line moves that we've seen since the last show, give you a pick for tonight's action, and then a preview here of the weekend ahead. And as we start here with a look beyond the box score, you know, everybody has caught on to the spin rate discussion. It's obviously been a major talking point on social media, in mainstream media, all the betting shows talking about it as well. So you're really being inundated with this kind of coverage. And a few things that I want to talk about here real quickly at the top of today's show is that first, you need to put context into everything, put context into every player, you know, because the elites will become less elite. You know, they'll still be really, really good because they've got great stuff. They already had above average spin rates to begin with, but they're still going to be good. And that's something I think is really important to talk about here is that, you know, what happens with this crackdown on foreign substances is that simply the range of an average spin rate kind of drops off. So the elite guys that have the elite spin rates will still have elite spin rates just relative to what the new normal is. So don't just automatically assume that these guys are all going to be really bad because their spin rates have dropped. That's not necessarily going to be the case. They, there will be an adjustment period to be sure because you're used to a pitch doing one thing when you throw it in a certain tunnel. Now it's going to do something a little bit different and probably not move as much. But every pitcher will start making adjustments assuming they can get some level of grip on the baseball. But again, what's basically going to happen here is that your spin rate could still be elite. It's just elite based on what is a new baseline. So keep that in mind here, that just because spin rates are dropping doesn't necessarily mean that a lot of these guys are all of a sudden going to suck. That's not necessarily going to be the case. Some guys will, and some guys will be impacted much greater than others will be. But it is one of those things that you do want to factor into the equation. So put context into everything, into every player. Keep in mind, once again, as I've talked about a lot here on the shows, that spin rate decreases could be velocity related. They could be injury related. They could be environmental considerations. You know, you go from pitching in a higher elevation to a lower elevation. You go from pitching on a more humid day to a less humid day, something like that. So that's why I'm trying to isolate the really big spin rate decreases. The one where it looks like something is very much happening, especially if it's a spin rate decrease with every pitch across the board. You're going to have game-to-game variances, as I've talked about already. You know, If you've got a spin rate drop of 50 or 60 or 70 RPM on the fastball in one game, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. If you've got drops in the hundreds across the board – that says a whole lot more. So if you can use those player breakdown pages over at BaseballSavant.com or just if you search the individual pitchers and go through the different uh, you know, drop-down menus and look at 2021, look at spin rate by game. And if you see some of those really big decreases here, now that the memos have been circulated for over two weeks' time, then those are things that you want to take an additional look at. 
Another thing that I'm trying to do here, and I've talked about this a lot, is that at least from a betting standpoint, when I'm looking at my daily article, I'm trying to isolate guys that aren't as good that are having spin rate drops. Because like I just said, if you have an elite spin rate on your fastball, as the league average decreases, your fastball spin rate will remain elite. But if you're a guy who started using substances to go from average to above average or below average to average, something like that, those are the guys that I'm really trying to focus in on quite a bit more. The Tyler Andersons of the world, for example. So that's where I'm trying to find my value, trying to find my equity. And of course, look, you know, if you want to fade a guy like a Trevor Bauer or a Garrett Cole or something like that by betting the over in a game, that's fine. I think that's a reasonable way to go about it. But don't just assume that these big favorites are all of a sudden going to lose in these big favorite roles just because of this crackdown on foreign substances. Guys that still have elite spin rates will still have elite spin rates. Guys that have been using a substance to get an above average spin rate or to get to average, those are the guys that I think we worry about the most. And that's also because, look, as this plays out over the summertime, at least if Major League Baseball does show some sack and it's not just all talk with, you know, these memos that have been sent out and all of that, just about everybody should see a decrease in spin rate, you know, because a lot of guys, even if they're not using spider tack or something like that, are still using that rosin and sunscreen combination. You know, they're just trying to get grip on the baseball. They're not necessarily looking for a competitive average or advantage. They just don't want to hit anybody in the head. So if MLB is legitimately cracking down on every foreign substance, then just about everybody's spin rate across the board is going to drop because a lot of guys are at least using something, pine tar, rosin, the rosin and sunscreen combo. The rosin bag seems to be fine. You know, Trevor Bauer did a little video on social media using sweat and rosin and showed the ball basically sticking to his palm. So Guys will try to find different things that they can do. They'll maybe go to their mouths, get some more saliva a little bit more often, something like that. Guys will try to figure out ways to kind of counterbalance this. The other thing is, and as I've mentioned already here, and as I'll talk about with a few spin rate decreases over the last few days, guys will try to throw harder because there is that very significant relationship between velocity and spin. If you're losing spin, you can throw harder and you're going to get more spin as a result. Garrett Cole has done this now in each of his last two starts. So there is also that velocity may go up while spin goes down. And furthermore, if you're looking at individual pitchers here, if they have increased velocities but decreased spin rates, then that is an indication that they were previously using something that they probably shouldn't have been using. Now, it's not going to be true across the board, but most guys are going to wind up falling into that group. So just to recap here, before I look at some individual pitchers, put context into everything. If guys are really good and have high spin rates, those guys will still probably be really good and have much higher spin rates than the league average. Look for guys that aren't great pitchers that have had these spin rate increases to try and be average, to try and be somewhat above average. Those are the guys I think will be most impacted. Then we're also going to see decreases in spin rate across the board. So keep that in mind that if you look at a box score, you look at you know an advanced box score, it's that cast or something like that, 
and there's a spin rate drop, don't panic over it. Everybody's spin rate will go down. The ones you want to be looking for are the much more significant ones, the ones in the hundreds, and generally speaking, a decrease across all pitches. Fastballs are under the microscope right now, but a decrease on all pitches will give you a lot more context into that individual player. And lastly, as I've talked about a lot, and as I will talk about here in the next segment, look for multiple relievers out of a bullpen having a spin rate decrease. Because if you see multiple relievers with a decrease, odds are that those are teams where a lot of guys are using something. Guys in the bullpen talk to each other all the time. They know what works and what doesn't. If you've got a bullpen with drops across the board, Atlanta, Boston, Pittsburgh, those are three that I've seen here really so far, then those are ones that you probably want to take a closer look at. Maybe some more full game overs, live betting opportunities, stuff like that. So if we look at average spin rate across Major League Baseball here, from April 1st through June 2nd, 23.19 RPMs. June 3rd to June 16th, 22.79 RPM. So a 40 RPM drop league-wide in fastball spin rate since that first memo went out on June 3rd. And now that baseball has circulated the second memo, we're seeing even bigger spin rates, or spin rate decreases, excuse me, on average here. But with that being said, since June 3rd, looking at the Killer Sports database, overs 95, 86, and 6. Since June 10th, 50, 43, or 50, 44, and 3. 10 and 5 yesterday, sure, a lot of offense yesterday, but 24 and 24 over the last three days. So just be careful assuming that every game is going to go over now. Now you still want to take a look at the pitching matchups, at the weather, at the offenses, the offensive splits, all those different types of things. Keep doing your handicapping due diligence, but just keep in mind that there will be some guys that are a lot more affected with this spin rate memo than others. And of course, as we see somebody actually get suspended for this, I believe that begins on June 21st or June 23rd, uh, June 21st, I think, uh, that's when you know we'll really see something kind of stand out, I think. Some spin rate decreases to talk about here. And on Monday, we saw some for both JT Brubaker and Sam Howard of the Pittsburgh Pirates. As I said, a lot of guys in that Pittsburgh bullpen seeing spin rate drops. Brubaker also saw velocity drops in this game. So maybe it was the lower velo that actually hurt the spin rate. But watch JT Brubaker here as we go throughout the week. Somebody else, or throughout the months here, somebody else keep an eye on Brad Hand for the Washington Nationals. Brad Hand seems hurt to me. Velocities are down. Spin rates are way down. I know there was some talk on social media last year of Brad Hand using some foreign substances, and that's kind of how he got back on track, specifically in the control department. Maybe he's just hurt. Maybe it's something else, but Brad Hand is not looking the part right now for the Nationals. So keep that in mind. If you're betting full games with the Nats, who I'm not super keen on their bullpen anyway, but the the under-the-hood stuff for Brad Hand looks pretty bad right now. Also, the Indians here. Nick Sandlin, once again, the sidearming right-hander, big spin rate decreases for him in his last start, or his last relief appearance, excuse me. And then James Karinczak, pretty good on Monday, but then working on Tuesday and Wednesday, Karinczak saw spin rate decreases once again. So he's a guy who kind of got caught on camera by the White Sox broadcast 
seems like maybe on Monday he kind of went back to doing something. On Tuesday and Wednesday he didn't. Maybe it was just fatigue. Maybe he's not bouncing back well. Something like that. But Nick Sandlin is definitely one for the Indians. Karen Shack, another one there. So Jake Arietta on Monday. We saw some spin rate drops for him, even though his velocity was increased. And I'm watching this one very closely because I don't like Jake Arietta. I don't think he's a good pitcher. I'm not looking to back him at all. If he's going to have some pretty notable spin rate decreases, he will be a glorified batting practice pitcher. So we saw some on Monday. I'll be watching his next start over the weekend here very closely. But if Jake Arietta is going to have a spin rate decrease, then his poor quality stuff will get even worse. So I'm watching this one closely because I think we may be able to have a run on fading Jake Arietta here in the not-too-distant future. Dylan Maples of the Cubs, a guy with a massive, huge spin rate decrease. Some other guys in the Cubs pen have kind of been worth watching as well here. Uh, Chatwood did stabilize in his last appearance, but also had a big velocity increase. So Maples is a guy, but I'd watch this Cubs bullpen pretty closely here as well. Another bullpen to watch is the Rays. You know, the Rays just overall, Glass now saying he can't use anything anymore. Rich Hill came out and bitched at the MLBPA about not sticking up for the players a little bit more. So the Rays are a team where there may be some shenanigans going on there, and that wouldn't be particularly surprising. I mean, they're a very smart, very forward-thinking organization. If they were able to find some kind of competitive advantage to offset you know, their payroll deficiencies or something like that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. So Rich Hill, a guy to watch. I wrote about that in today's article. Obviously, Glass now, now hurt. And then Fireisen, JP Fireisen. A lot of drops lately for him in that bullpen. Velocity drop as well. He could very well be hurt, but that's one that I would definitely keep a pretty close eye on here. What about Dylan Bundy? You know, Dylan Bundy, velocity way down on Monday. Spin rates way, way down. I don't think this is a matter of Dylan Bundy using anything. I just don't think Dylan Bundy is healthy. I I see no indications in the profile between the bad command, the depressed velocity, the spin rate decreases. I think Dylan Bundy is hurt. So I will fade Dylan Bundy this weekend because I, I like to fade injured pitchers because they're just generally not going to be all that effective. But Bundy is a guy that I will very much be looking to fade here up until he gets put on the IL. I don't think that things are improving for him anytime soon. One guy that things are improving for is Marco Gonzalez with the Mariners. Increase in spin rate and velocity. He's a guy that was hurt. It's good to see him getting healthier here for this season. So maybe the chance to back Marco Gonzalez in the not too distant future. Also on Monday, Kenley Jansen with some drops for the Los Angeles Dodgers. That's a guy to keep a close eye on here as we go forward. Tuesday, as I mentioned already at the top, Tyler Anderson, big spin rate drops for him, decreased velocity. He's been impacted a lot by this. This is three or four starts in a row now where his spin rate has been down. I know it's hard to fade the Pirates because they're always such a big underdog, uh, but fading Tyler Anderson is something that makes sense. Faded him with a first five total against Patrick Corbin on Tuesday. Corbin actually pitched really well, 14 swings and misses out of 51 swings, but Anderson got us over that first five total, and I would expect he does that quite a bit more here as we go forward. As I mentioned, the Red Sox bullpen is a concern to me. On Tuesday, Adam Adovino with some massive spin rate decreases. Matt Barnes as well. 
I've talked about Brandon Workman multiple times already. Uh, the Red Sox bullpen looks to be pretty impacted by this foreign substance crackdown. Probably not the biggest of surprises given that Houston was using them and Alex Cora came over and is now with the Red Sox. So that's not really a big surprise to me, but you know, the Red Sox pitching has been very bad here of late. The bullpen not really helping matters. Uh, so that's one that I pay close attention to right now. And also the Atlanta Braves, a lot of spin rate drops for their bullpen. Guys like Josh Tomlin and Chris Martin, Sean Newcomb, Edgar Santana, all guys with some spin rate drops here lately in that Atlanta bullpen. So Atlanta, Pittsburgh, Boston, three bullpens I'm looking closely at. The Reds, another one, Lucas Sims with some drops, Amir Garrett and Heath Hembry, both with some drops as well. So maybe the Reds bullpen, one that you want to keep a close eye on here also. Um, going back to starters here, uh, Casey Mize. You know, the spin rates were still down. Velocity was okay. He actually got asked to change his glove on Tuesday because there was a spot that wasn't as gray as the rest of the glove. Uh, home plate umpire John Tampain saying something about that. We'll see what happens here. I, I don't know if maybe Casey Mize is kind of pitching through something, was still effective in that start, but you know, the spin rates have been hurt a little bit here of late. You Darvish, big drops for him on Tuesday. You wonder if that's pitching in Colorado or if it's something else. Also, Chichi Gonzalez of the Rockies with some big spin rate drops. Maybe that has something to do with how hot the weather has been in Denver. Uh, you know, more difficult to grip the baseball. I don't know, but both Darvish and Gonzalez, two guys with spin rate increases in recent years, having decreases there on Tuesday. And then lastly here, Jesus Lazardo for the Oakland A's. Velocity went up, spin rate down. And this is about the third or fourth straight appearance where I've really noticed this for Luzardo, where his spin rate has been down. So keeping a close eye on that one, uh, not necessarily a full Oakland bullpen issue as of yet, uh, but Luzardo definitely one that I'm keeping an eye on. So Monday of the starters here that you want to pay attention to, uh, JT Brubaker for the Pirates, Jake Arietta for the Cubs, Dylan Bundy for the Angels, Tyler Anderson also for the Pirates. And then taking a look here at Darvish and Chichi Gonzalez of the Padres and the Rockies, respectively there. Wednesday, we saw some velocity and spin rate decreases for Ryan Yarborough. Now, again, the Rays seem to me like a team where a few different guys are going to be under the microscope here. So maybe Yarborough stopped using something. Maybe he didn't. Maybe it was just the long innings facing Chicago. But the Rays are guys that maybe kind of across the board you sort of look at now kind of with some side eye. Uh, Fire Eisen with another massive decrease on Wednesday. I think he's probably going to hit the injured list here sometime soon. But Yarborough was one that stood out to me a little bit. Uh, big decrease in the cutter. I think it's the second straight start for Yarborough with the cutter where it's seen some decreases. And that's really his bread and butter pitch. So the Rays may be a team kind of negatively impacted by this. We'll have to kind of wait and see. Another starter here for Wednesday, Tyler Mayo. Big spin rate drops yet again. Got into some early trouble, worked out of it, but some big spin rate drops for the Reds right-hander there on Wednesday. Uh, better spin and velocity for Kyle Freeland of the Colorado Rockies. That was good to see. Really worried about the injury indicators for him coming out of his previous start. But the velocity and the spin looked better on Wednesday, so um, maybe a false alarm there with him. I guess we'll kind of wait and see. But another guy here for the Angels, Griffin Canning. Second straight start, decreased velocity, decreased spin rate. Bundy is already pitching hurt. 
canning a guy that's had his fair share of injury issues as well. Uh, This Angels pitching staff is very concerning at this point in time. So if you're playing the Angels, I think you're looking for overs, stuff like that. I don't really love laying sides with the Angels right now, except for maybe Otani or Cobb. You know, Canning and uh, and Bundy are really concerning. Maybe Andrew Heaney is okay, but Bundy and Canning, two guys for the Angels that uh, I would not want to back here anytime soon. I mentioned Brad Hand already. Spin rate decrease for him yet again. Same thing for Karinchak, Workman, Ottavino. A lot of these same relievers popping up here on this list for Wednesday. Garrett Cole, another big spin rate drop for him against Toronto, but his velocity up yet again, trying to get back that lost spin by throwing a little bit harder. That's the thing about a guy like Garrett Cole. Even though the spin will go down, still well above average and still with that premier velocity, still a guy that can have success. Maybe not to the you know ridiculous degree that we've seen, but still a guy that can have some success. And then lastly here on Wednesday, and a big concern for the Red Sox in this one, Garrett Richards, big spin rate decrease, big velocity decrease on both his fastball and his slider, a guy with a long, extensive injury history. That's one that I would keep a very close eye on as well. So kind of looking to build a portfolio and a profile here of some of these pitchers with the spin rate decreases that we do try to want to look to fade here as we move forward. And again, as Major League Baseball actually cracks down on this stuff, Maybe we'll pick up some more guys to put on this list. But I think right now we're working with a lot of guys that we can kind of look to exploit here over their next two or three starts until we see how things kind of stabilize around Major League Baseball. All right, so look down the lines here, talking about some line moves dating back to Tuesday. We saw that Tyler Anderson fade money on Patrick Corbin and the Nationals. Total also moved from eight up to eight and a half. Got the first five win. I think the full game landed on eight, maybe. uh, Eight or nine, something like that. But either way, Tyler Anderson, everybody knows about it now. So a lot of people fading him. If you want to fade Tyler Anderson, get in on it early. Get the best price that you possibly can. On Tuesday, we also saw another fade, yet again, of Taiwan Walker, who pitched very, very well, yet again, against the Cubs. And... You know, Taiwan Walker, a guy with that big Woba and ex-Woba difference and really hasn't come to fruition. Money's been bet against him a lot here this season. And he just continues to win and pitch well. So that's a fade train that I jumped off of a while ago, uh, but other people still on it, still being the conductors of that Taiwan Walker fade train. Uh, and it was a loser again on Tuesday. Cardinals money was a winner on Tuesday. That was Trevor Rogers and Quang Hyung Kim uh, for the St. Louis Cardinals. All three games, well under the total there at Bush Stadium. Yeah, when you get bad offenses at Bush Stadium, those games are probably going to go under the total. That was the case here with the Marlins and the Cardinals. We picked off one of them, but I think we probably could have done a little bit better there. Saw some very heavy Jay Hat money on Tuesday against the Twins. That was the Seattle Mariners. Uh, the Twins, you know, still, despite never really getting to the point of positive regression, Still look to be a better team in the alternate standings metrics than they actually are. Seattle, a team that's just very, very bad, horrific offense at home, as we know. Saw some Minnesota money come in in that Tuesday game. Did not work out, though, for the backers of Jay Happ and Minnesota. Wednesday, saw an under move from eight down to seven with Sandy Alcantara and and Johan Oviedo. That was a game that ended one nothing. Cardinals with a walk-off win there. So as I said, none of those games 
at Bush Stadium on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, coming anywhere close to going over the total. Saw some under money Wednesday in Milwaukee. That was Tyler Mayle and Freddie Peralta. Uh, Mayle, a spin rate guy, a guy to be concerned about, but the Brewers just absolutely not hitting at home, not hitting righties, not really hitting in general. So the under money, a winner there. And these totals moves have been very, very sharp and correct more often than not so far this season here. So pay close attention to the totals market because right now I'm not seeing a whole lot of side movement. I think there's a lot of questions with spin rates and all of that. We're seeing a lot of totals movement, not a ton of side moves here this week and with some of the recent MLB announcements. So watch for those totals moves. They have been pretty good. Like the Zach Wheeler, Clayton Kershaw under on Wednesday. That one never came close. We had the first five under three and a half. That was never close either. So a lot of under money in that Wheeler-Kershaw game wound up being good. One side move that we did have on Wednesday was the Twins against the Mariners. That was Bailey Ober and Justice Sheffield. Sheffield didn't pitch very well. Ober did. Mariners offense didn't do anything. We had under eight and a half. It comes in at seven to two. That game was over by what, the sixth inning, I think. So not like it was a bad beat, but, you know, uh, I guess on the right side there with Ober, just not on the right side with Sheffield. Thursday, seeing some line movement here. A totals moved down from seven and a half to seven in the Cubs and Mets game. That's Marcus Stroman and Kyle Hendricks. I took a piece of the over for tonight. I actually like the over seven in that one. I disagree with the move. Hendricks with no command this year. Stroman with some regression signs in the profile. So took a piece of the over seven in that Cubs and Mets game. Seeing Braves money against John Gant. That's with Charlie Morton on the hill. Not a surprise, John Gant remains, despite giving up 12 runs in his last two starts, one of the biggest regression candidates in baseball. So that's not a surprise to see Braves money there. And in fact, I took a piece of the Braves run line uh, for tonight's action. Reds Padres total getting bet up from seven to seven and a half. Also, Joe Musgrove money on the Padres in that one. Interesting line move with the total. Uh, I could see where people prefer Musgrove to Miley. Even though Miley and Musgrove with almost similar stat lines for this season, the key difference, Musgrove with a lot more strikeouts. But interesting to see that total going up from seven to seven and a half where the Reds have those big home road splits and the Padres just aren't hitting anything at all right now. Pretty telling line move there. I talk all the time about looking for context in the lines and in the line movements. That's a pretty strong position to take with a total going up from seven to seven and a half there in that one. Also seeing some mild Rays interest against the Mariners. That's Rich Hill on the mound for the Rays. Justin Dunn for the Mariners. No play in that game for me. And I did write about Rich Hill and his spin rate decreases over his last couple of starts in that daily article over at ATS.io. So what am I looking at here for the weekend? Well, let's go ahead and start with that Reds and Padres series with Wade Miley and Joe Musgrove tonight. Tony Santian and Chris Paddock on Friday. Vladimir Gutierrez and Denilson Lamette on Saturday, and then Luis Castillo and Hugh Darvish coming up here on Sunday. Big questions here about whether or not the Padres are ever going to hit. The underlying stats say they should be a hell of a lot better. Their contact metrics look good. They just don't have the results. So I understand betting on them as a positive regression candidate on offense, but I just don't know if they're ever going to hit. Reds road fade in action here in game one. Do we see it throughout the weekend? I think it's a pretty fair question to ask. 
the Padres, with their recent struggles now, they are plus four in Pythagorean win-loss. They got 38 wins. They should have 42, according to Pythagorean win-loss. I guess that makes a minus four, actually. Uh, so you know, I, I sort of wonder here, will we see some Padres money as a result? You know, their base runs record, pretty accurate right now as to where they should be. But Pythagorean win-loss says they should be four games better. That can induce some line moves, as we've already seen with teams like the Mariners getting faded, teams like the Twins getting bought, stuff like that. And it's kind of an interesting portfolio or interesting profile here for the Padres right now where they're not hitting. They should be. They should be better. They've got a good pitching staff. Does it actually come to fruition for them? I don't necessarily know. Reds are playing very well right now, too. In that wide open National League Central, Luis Castillo on Sunday, he's starting to throw the ball better. Going to be interesting to see what the line movement looks like in this Reds and Padres series. A four-gamer here at Coors between the Brewers and the Rockies. Brandon Woodruff, Herman Marquez tonight. Corbin Burns, Antonio Senzatella tomorrow. Adrian Hauser, Austin Gomber on Saturday. And then Eric Lauer and Chichi Gonzalez on Sunday. Lots of spin rate questions in this series. I talked about and put some visual aids up about Brandon Woodruff and his spin rates. We saw Corbin Burns with a massive spin rate drop in his last start. Now he goes to Colorado where spin rates typically drop anyway. So is that a good place to play the Rockies at a big underdog number? It could be. Hauser's a ground ball guy. Gomber's a ground ball guy. Uh, Chichi Gonzalez with some spin rate concerns. So we got spin rate guys. We got ground ball guys. We got hot weather in Denver. We got the Rockies home road splits. We got all kinds of stuff going on here in this series. I might take the underdog shot with Senzatella on Friday. I don't know what that price will be, but that may be something I look to take uh, you know a piece of here. Uh, maybe Rockies plus one and a half, something like that, going up in, against Corbin Burns. But you know, we'll see what that price looks like when we get to that game tomorrow. The A's and the Yankees here. James Caprellian and Jamison Tyon on Friday. Chris Bassett, Domingo Herman on Saturday. Sean Manaya, Jordan Montgomery on Sunday. Caprellian's a guy that actually got his start in the Yankees organization, was just hurt a lot, finally wound up getting a change of scenery and now pitching relatively well for Oakland. However, he's an extreme fly ball guy. Extreme fly ball guy. So far with what we've seen with his MLB returns, it's helped in Oakland. It's helped in Seattle. What will it do at at Yankee Stadium with the weather warming up in the Bronx? I don't know. Maybe you take a piece of tie-on. The market's been taking pieces of tie-on, who has really not pitched all that well of late. So an interesting game on Friday in this series. Do we see some Chris Bassett money on Saturday? I think we could against Domingo Herman. Two quality lefties on Sunday there in Manaya and Montgomery. But the A's have a really good road offense. And the Yankees offense should be a lot better than it is. So I'll be curious to see what happens with the line movements here in this A's and Yankees game, both on the sides as well as on the totals. Lastly here for the weekend preview, the Cardinals and the Braves. Carlos Martinez, Max Freed on Friday, Adam Wainwright and Drew Smiley on Saturday, Quang Hyung Kim and To Be Determined on Sunday here. It is very hard to bet on Drew Smiley. It is extremely difficult to bet on Drew Smiley. But Adam Wainwright has those enormous home road splits between Bush Stadium and road parks. 
the Atlanta offense has been very inconsistent this season, but it's really warming up in Atlanta right now. I think that sharp money will come in on Smiley on Saturday. I'll be curious to see what that line looks like. The Wainwright home road splits are not a secret to anybody. It's hard to bet overs with this Cardinals team because, you know, they just don't really hit for a lot of offense. I also forgot tonight you got the John Gant and Charlie Morton game. So actually a four-game series here between the Cardinals and the Braves. But primarily the reason I wanted to talk about this is Sunday could be a long one for Atlanta. Tucker Davidson was supposed to get the start. He probably won't. We'll see who makes that start for them. But they play a doubleheader against the Mets on Monday. So they go from Sunday night baseball against the Cardinals with probably a Johnny Holstaff kind of game to a doubleheader against the Mets on the road on Monday. So very difficult spot for Atlanta here on Sunday night. Difficult on Monday as well. They're supposed to get Jacob DeGrom in the first game, but you know DeGrom may go on the IL here. We'll kind of have to wait and see. But tough spot for the Braves on Sunday night. So may take a piece of the Cardinals here on Sunday, depending on that line and that pitching matchup with Atlanta, kind of looking ahead a little bit maybe to that doubleheader series against the Mets. Talked about a lot of things on today's show. I guess I should have mentioned this already, but you can get the notes from the editions of the Betters Box by emailing me skatingtripods at gmail.com that'll get you on the list for the show notes you only have to email me once once i put you on the list you are on the list if you want off the list just reply to the email when i send it no hard feelings with that but skatingtripods at gmail.com to get on the list for the betters box show notes i'll be back once again on monday here with a lot to talk about as we look at the first day of summer and the big crackdown on spin rates, actual enforcement potentially. We'll talk about that on Monday on the Betters Box. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Have a happy, healthy, smart, safe weekend. I will talk to you again on Monday. And remember that you will never strike out when you're in the Betters Box. Your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new Filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your Filtry air filters today at Filtry.com. Let's clear the air. It's never been easier to get outside with Academy Sports and Outdoors. Stop by your local Academy store on Scenic Highway at Janmar Road in Snellville and shop great gear from top brands like Pitboss, Swim, Hydro Flask, Pelican, and more. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Streaming only on Peacock, a new original comedy. Me in a punk band? We are Lady Parts. A confused mix of hash anthems and sour girl power. We puked all over the front row. Ew. We are Lady Parts. All episodes streaming now, only on Peacock. As Red Robin's voiceover artist, I'm here to explain bottomless. How do I get across free refills on fries and drinks? Well, here goes. Bottomless at Red Robin means free unlimited refills on the fries and sides that come with every burger or entree. That means free refills on steak fries, sweet potato fries, Yukon kettle chips, garlic fries, broccoli, side salad, soft drinks, iced teas, freckled lemonades, and even root beer floats. Offer doesn't expire until your appetite does. Whew, nailed it. Red Robin. Yum.
Welcome to Soccer Down Here's coverage of the USL Championship. The biggest story before we get into what is going on this upcoming weekend, we'll take a look at the standings, take a look at juice boxes as we know them, and some of the big matchups coming up this weekend. Biggest story comes out of Indianapolis, where Martin Rennie and the Indy 11 have decided to part ways. Indy 11 start not to the liking of the front office and the ownership. So there's going to be a change at the helm. Play-by-play voice of the Indy 11, one of the originals, Greg, Greg Rakestraw, caught up with us at Soccer Down Here, Jason Longshore and myself earlier on this week. And here was our conversation about the change on the touchline. Greg Rakestraw, how are you? I'm good. How are we doing? Doing good. Jason Longshore, John Nelson, Soccer Down Here. Uh, we're live on Twitch. Thanks for taking the time for us this morning. We appreciate it. Of course, fellas. Happy to help. So just give us the rundown on, on Indy this season. I was a little surprised by the news that came out this week with Martin Rennie and the club parting ways. Uh, it felt like Indy's been really, really close to, to being a consistent <laughs> member of that upper echelon. Uh, were you surprised by the announcement? Did you see it coming for a little while? To, to some degree, although it was a swift and sudden fall after what was very much a high for Martin the franchise, finally winning against Louisville. You know, like so many other teams, especially in the East, Louisville has been the standard, and for Indy, Louisville has been the stumbling block. You know, Indy beat Louisville in their first matchup as league opponents in May of 2018. They hadn't beaten Louisville again until two weeks ago, uh, until May the 29th. Obviously, losing them in the playoffs in 2018, you know, being up in the 93rd minute of the Eastern Conference Final two years ago, and then losing in, in added time by a score of 3-1. to one. Louisville had always been a stumbling block. So when Indy got that victory against Lou City, everybody said, okay, here we go. This is backing up the results we saw in the preseason. And then the next four matches, Indy got one point. Um, And, yes, the last two matches were against good teams in El Paso and Pittsburgh, but the offense was next to nothing in terms of its ability to generate shots and generate goals on a regular basis. So, I knew the way that the season ended last year that there might be a hook coming at some point this year if things did not go well. So big picture, was I surprised? No. If you had told me two weeks ago that Martin's last big were coming against Louisville City, I would have been absolutely stunned. Greg, coming into this season, obviously divisions kind of juggled a little bit and expectations are always high, but what was the vibe from – the, the fans and everyone that you got to, uh, to talk to leading into the, se- into the season about what the expectations were for Indy 11 and comparing it to the start and where you are now? Compete with Louisville for the division championship. You know, that is always the expectation. Um, and, yes, there is this feeling that Indy should be in the upper echelon of teams because of the fan base, uh, because of the track record. Um, you know, it, it was thought, hey – at worst, you're a playoff team, and we're eight games in, and you know the Central Division is a wonderfully jumbled mess. Uh, frankly, I think the guys that you follow on a regular basis might be the biggest surprise so far, uh, at least from a positive perspective, in terms of Atlanta United, too. But the expectations were, if you can win the division or be competitive with Louisville, that will then lead to opportunities in the postseason. So this is a franchise that expects to compete for championships, in 2018, making the playoffs was the win because of the dramatically late move to get out of the crumbling NASL and join the USL championship. By 2019, this is one of the best teams in the league. 
for the first half of last year. This is one of the best teams in the league, but you have that stumble down the stretch. You 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 miss the playoffs after winning your first four games in a 16-game schedule and winning five of your first six. That leads to some question marks. You lose three in a row. You're not playing great soccer. There's signs of guys being disconnected and some discontention, and that's why the plug was pulled so quickly. In some ways, do you feel like a move like this just solidifies what the expectation is from the club to the fans? So now I think it's really clear that They've invested on the roster. I mean, you, you've got a number yep. of guys who've been stars in, in this league, and that expectation is that investment should pay off with results. This is a results business, and ultimately, I think this reinforces that in a way to the fan base. That is absolutely correct. No, this is this is a club that is willing to spend money at this level. Again, is it spending money in comparison to what MLS teams do? Of course not. Of course. But are the Indy 11 a club that outspends many of their, their counterparts in the USL championship, absolutely it is. And this is also a club that, frankly, is lucky enough that they can spend money because this is a team that is, you know, well-supported. You know, for a Tuesday night game, we had 5,000 folks in the building uh, on Tuesday night. We had a fantastic crowd for a Tuesday night game. We were one of the handful of teams that were allowed to have some level of fans at games last year in part because we played at Lucas Oil Stadium, and it was a much more spread out and larger venue. Now there is that return to Carroll Stadium. So absolutely, this is, after you miss the playoffs, the automatic idea is, hey, if you make the playoffs, it's a good season. And there's some truth to that, but this is a team that expects to be competitive for the top of their division. And again, because of who is in this division in Louisville, that says a lot. And, you know, we're, we're going to see a good test for this Indy team because they're playing at Lou City again next Saturday. That's by no means overlooking Sporting Kansas City, too, coming up on Sunday. But we're going to have an idea where this team is over the course of the next couple of matches. You know, and Greg, you know, with a coaching change at the quarter pole, it now presents a, a challenge for the front office in either bringing in an individual from the outside that can instantly assimilate and try to, to get the team back on track, back to where the expectations are, or you know, staying somewhat within the family to make sure that the continuity is there. It's, it's an interesting challenge and a big conundrum for this front office at a key point, knowing what the team wants to accomplish year in and year out. Correct. And, and I, I think there are options for both. So let's talk about the current staff. Max Rogers was added in April. Max was on Steve Trichu's staff in St. Louis the last couple of years. I actually was brought in before that by Tony, uh, by uh, Pulis uh, to come and, and, and be a part of, of things in St. Louis and stuck around for Steve Trichu last year. Other than that, you've got Phil Presser and Andy Swift, both who have been guys with Martin Reddy for the duration. Phil has a lot of local ties here uh, because Phil has, has connections to the Indiana Fire Academy, whom the Indy 11 to work with. Uh, also, uh, you know, still works the junior program. Andy Swift was a guy that actually has connections not far from you guys. He was at Jacksonville State for many years, working at the college level uh, over in Alabama, uh, and, and now has been with the Indy 11 for the last three or four years as the goalkeeper coach. The other name that even though he's not on the payroll now would be considered part of the family would be Juan Guerra. Juan played for us in his last year as a player in 2018, very well liked as a player, been a very much respected coach, kind of Martin's right-hand man the last couple of years. 
had what he thought was a better offer in Phoenix. And clearly, you know, Phoenix, much like Louisville, much like India, are teams that go, hey, they're going to win and be successful every year in the championship. One is there. Is there a phone call extended to him? Because he was really kind of with the club through March and knows all the returning players, had a hand in Manuel Arteaga coming here from Venezuela. And so it would be a very quick assimilation process if the phone call is to Juan, hey, we want you to come back and join the Indy 11. Might there have to be compensation going from the Indy 11 to Phoenix Rising in terms of money or a player perhaps? But again, that's something that could be worked out. So those are the guys that would be in the building or close to it to talk to. Now let's talk about the obvious names, and I mentioned one of them, okay? Steve Trickster was very impressive last year in St. Louis given what he did and the fact that potentially he can be brought back to this level, coaching his players he knows very well. He played the Indy 11 four times last season, kind of knows how they're built, et cetera. And the other obvious fact is that John Hackworth is available. He is. And clearly John did a wonderful job with Lou City. I'm still unsure as to all the reasons why he elected to leave after the first game of the season. But there are, there, are, there are some quality candidates kind of floating out there in the ether that I'm sure that Greg Stremlaw, the team CEO, is doing his due diligence on as we speak. You mentioned it a little bit with Guerra, and I, I want to dig into this for, for some of our listeners who are kind of based in the southeast and, and know Indy but don't know the ins and outs. The culture that's been built around the club is incredibly strong. It's something that's powered, I think, the, the club's growth. How important do you think it would be to, in weighing this decision, go to somebody within the family versus somebody from the outside? You know, I, I, I think the two names from the outside that I mentioned, um, w- because of the instant, recognize, the instant recognition of having played against those teams for literally half of your games last year, I, I, I think there would be buy-in you know, from, from the fan base. Uh, you know, obviously, if it's Juan Garrett, it'd be an immediate positive check mark from the fan base. There are two other current assistant coaches that deserve a mention that date back to the old days, as in the NASL days, when we were talking about the Indy 11 play in the Atlanta Silverbacks, oh, yeah. not Atlanta United, too. One of them is Colin Falvey, who is now the top assistant out in Sacramento and has been for the last couple of years. He was on the NASL spring season champion team for the Indy 11 in 2016, was the team captain played here two years for, for Tim Hankinson. The other name that merits a mention is Nemanja Vukovic. Uh, he is an assistant coach um, out in for FC Tulsa, and FC Tulsa looked great. Michael Enzian's team coming in here and, and beating Indy, you know, 3-0 on May the 18th. Ever since you saw those guys on May 19th, clearly things have gone downhill for Tulsa. But the guy we all call Buko around here deserves a mention as well. So, you know, because there has been a track record of success and because there is a sizable fan base for this level, yes, guys with familial ties, for lack of a better term, have been brought up. But if you bring in a guy that has been successful, especially in the Eastern Conference, in the USL Championship, I think the fan base would buy in immediately to a name like that. Greg Rigstraw, play-by-play voice of the Indy 11, hanging out with us here on Soccer Down Here as we take a look at the USL Championship with the big news of uh, Martin Rennie being dismissed, the club parting ways with him earlier this week. As one of the originals, as someone who has been there from the beginning, seeing the growth of the team, seeing to where it is right now, 
there are multiple levels of importance in this hire because of the expectations and, and everything that we've seen. What does your gut tell you about the direction that the team will go? Or is your gut telling you anything about the direction the team will go? You know, I, I think they can frankly go both angles. But here is the one thing that, that and it's not about whom they're going to hire, but about the speed in which they're going to make that hire. I have zero problem if the Indy 11 take their time. And I, and I don't mean like, hey, we're going to ride out this interim group for the rest of the year. No, but there have been some that have said, hey, you need to have somebody in place by, by next Saturday's game. No, you don't. And, and let me give the ultimate example in terms of, again, the organization that Indy competes with but also would be wise to emulate, and that is Loose City. Let's go back to 2018. James O'Connor gets the job with Orlando sitting in Major League Soccer basically at the end of June. And for a period of about 40 days, three players coached that team. And Luke Spencer, George Davis, and Paolo Del Piccolo. John Hackworth comes in. Um, basically, I think his first game might have been against the Indy 11 in mid-August. Um, and, and that team goes on to win the USL Cup the very next year. And then they, at the end of that year, and then they make the final the year following that. And so... I think there's enough of a core of veteran players here and assistant coaches that know the way that things have been done. I think if you're, if you're Greg Stremlaw and Ursal Ozdemir, the team owner, you can take your time to a degree. I don't think you will see this interim trio of assistant coaches be the guys that will be in charge in the next 24 matches, but I don't think you have to have a higher by tomorrow either. You can take a little bit of time. You can take, two, three, four weeks and make sure you find the right guy for the job and hope that that person can hit the ground running at some point during the month of July. And also from a standpoint that there is a little more space between matches in terms of July. I think the only midweek match that Indy has is at your guys' place on July 7th. Other than that, it is all Saturday matches during the course of the month of July. So I do think given the parameters of being in season, Indy 11 will take a little bit of time to find the right guy for the job. I've got one more for you, Greg. I, I want to get into the big picture of this division. Um, when the the lineups were shuffled a little bit to see who was going to be paired up with who, this division jumped out to us here in Atlanta, obviously looking at a, a club that is a second team and trying to, to develop talent first, but going up against heavyweights in the USL Championship like Lou City, like Indy 11. Birmingham and, and Tulsa have stepped up this year. This division feels like it's going to go down to the last few weeks of the season with so much talent investment, but also the, the quality that Atlanta United 2's brought in, Sporting Kansas City 2, as we saw them a couple weeks ago, what they can provide. I don't think there's an easy night at the office in this division. How have you looked at it as you've seen games from around the division outside of Indy's games? I, I thought there was a clear line of demarcation between four and five going in. But it was in not this particular order. Indy, Louisville, Birmingham, and Tulsa. Sure. And then the next group would have been AU2, Sporting Kansas City 2, Memphis, given their very late roster build in OKC. And obviously, OKC's already made a coaching change as well. Happened right after the Indy 11 game when they played to a 1-1 drawback on June 2nd. I think Atlanta United 2 is obviously the one that has kind of jumped the void. And, and, and they are into that mix. This is the best we have seen them over the course of Indy being in their, in their conference or division for, for three of the last four years. They, to me, have been, from simply a playing standpoint, the story so far 
of this group of eight. The other thing to throw out again, and I don't know from a talent standpoint, you know, in terms of, of, of Memphis long term, but because of, of the bit of the of the kiss given to them by the league, knowing they were slow in getting set and prepared for this coming year, they have an inordinate amount of games in the last month of the season. I think they're looking at eight or nine games in October. So if they can just be within striking distance of a playoff spot come October, they have all of these games in hand where they can jump some people in the division, again, just by way of the schedule. So I do think this is a bit more muddied and a bit more jumbled than probably we anticipated going into this season. And frankly, that's a good thing for everybody involved. All right, Greg, time for the promo for those down here in our footprint that want to keep an eye on everything going on in your section of the division, especially heading into match week this weekend. How do they do it? Well, simply put, um, you know, obviously we're, we broadcast all of our games on ESPN+. Plus. We do a total of 20 games, both road and home combined, on local television, MyIndyTV23 or Wish TV Channel 8. Uh, next broadcast for us will be next Saturday against Luke City, our first of four road telecasts this year. I host our weekly radio show, Soccer Saturday, which airs on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan in Indianapolis. Podcast available immediately after the show. Or simply follow me on Twitter, at Greg Rakestraw, because I tend to tweet about Indy 11 stuff all the darn time. Kind of like us in Atlanta United, too. Greg, thanks for hopping on with us here as we always cover the USL Championship in this particular block of the show every week. Thanks for hanging out with us. I know it's been a, a difficult week for fans of, of the Indy 11, and uh, I know there's a lot of stuff that you look forward to every single week, and the fans look forward to every single season. Thanks for hanging out with us here on Soccer Down Here. You got it, fellas. We'll talk to you before that match coming up in July. Now that brings us to the standings as we head into this weekend and take a look at things. And we'll start with the division that we were talking with Greg about, the Central. Birmingham, with a 2-0 loss, had their four-match win streak snapped. They're at the top of the ladder at 16 points after nine matches played. Loose City, with their win, gets three points. They pull vault from 10 points to 13, having won two in a row. Tulsa after breaking their three-game losing streak, got a win on the board. They're now at 12 points ahead of uh, Atlanta United 2 because of matches played, FC Tulsa having only played seven to Atlanta United 2's nine. They are both at 12 points. That is north of the playoff bar. Indy 11, after eight matches, three, four, and one, after having lost three in a row, they are at 10 points. Memphis 901 with their win, 1-0 over a 10-man Atlanta United 2. They are at eight points. Sporting Kansas City 2 has lost two of their last five. After nine matches, they're at seven points. OKC Energy still winless on the year at 0-4-4. They're at the bottom with four points. Looking at the Atlantic Division, Tampa Bay on top, 18 points, six wins out of seven played. Charlotte have won two of their last three. They're at 12. Pittsburgh with the 1-0 win over Indy 11. They're at 11 points. Hartford Athletic ahead of the Miami FC on goal difference. They are at 10 points. The Miami FC at a goal difference of minus one, nine goals behind at 10 points. Red Bulls, two with a win last time out. They are at eight points. Charleston Battery at one, one, and two. Two postponements in a row at Patriots Point because of the incredible rains that have happened there in the low country. They're at five points. And Loudoun United, having lost four of their last five, they're at one and five on the year. They are at three points. Western Conference, Mountain Division, 
Rio Grande Valley. Uh, we caught up with the RGVFC and their head coach, Wilmer Cabrera. They're at 16 points, having won two of their last three. New Mexico United won two of their last three as well. They're at 4-2-2 two, and two at 14 points. El Paso Locomotive, I think they're the only team still that is not lost a match this year. 3-0-3 after six, they're at 12. Austin at 11 points, they're in fourth. San Antonio FC at 10. Colorado Springs gets their first win at their new downtown stadium. They're at eight points in sixth. Real Monarchs, having lost three of their last four, they are at five points. Pacific Division, Phoenix, five, one, and one with a goal difference of plus 13. They're at 16 points. Los Dos, LA Galaxy 2, have lost three of their last four, but they are still at 11 points, five back of Phoenix. Orange County SC is at 10 points, having won two of their last three. San Diego 2-0-2 oh, in their last four. They are at eight points north of the playoff bar. A lot of folks at seven points. Goal difference separating Sacramento, Tacoma, and Las Vegas Lights. Minus three, minus four, and minus nine on the board. Sacramento on top in fifth. Tacoma in sixth. Vegas Lights are in seventh. And Oakland, having only played four matches this year after getting off to their late start, they are at one, two, and one and at four points. Matches coming up this weekend. We'll get into that in just a sec on Friday. Two matches, Charleston and the Miami FC. Charleston, according to your juice boxes, is a plus 114. Miami FC, the Miami FC is at a plus 204, and your draw is a plus 262. And at 10 o'clock Eastern time on Friday, Real Monarchs, a plus 326 at home as El Paso Locomotive come to town. El Paso, a minus 130. And your draw option is a plus 263. Looking at the schedule for the upcoming weekend, just to kind of give you an idea as to what else is going to be going on on Saturday and Sunday. As we progress through after the big midweek on Wednesday, Saturday, Hartford hosts Loudon at Dillon Stadium at 7 o'clock. Birmingham Legion tries to snap back after losing last time out. They host Austin. 7.30 at Al Lang. Tampa hosts Pittsburgh. 8 o'clock at 1 OK Field. FC Tulsa hosts Lou City. Big road trip for that one. Big game in the Central Division. Memphis 901, can they continue their momentum? 8.30 at AutoZone, taking on OKC Energy. And out west, it is Oakland hosting Sacramento at Laney College. Toyota Field, San Antonio FC hosting RGV. 10.30 at Cashman, Las Vegas Lights hosting Orange County, and at 10.30 San Diego is hosting Phoenix. Big match out west. Sunday, Sporting Kansas City 2 at Children's Mercy Park at 5 o'clock hosting Indy 11. Tuesday, the 22nd, Austin hosting Colorado Springs, and that is at Bolt Stadium on the campus of the Circuit of the Americas. That's a look at your schedule upcoming, some of the news and notes that have come across the table here in the USL Championship over the last little bit. Take a look at your week eight team of the week presented by Clear Audio. A couple of familiar names to those here in the Eastern half of the country. Uh, Alejandro Guido, your midfielder from San Diego ends up as your player of the week for his work there for San Diego. In net Ben Lunt for Phoenix Rising. Back line of Joaquin Varela from San Antonio, Sean Tosh from Luce City. We've had the chance to see him at uh, against Atlanta United too. Macaulay King also at the back in a back line of three for El Paso. Midfield of four, Milan Iloski from Real Monarchs to go with Guido, Diego Luna from El Paso, and Jake Arman from uh, Charlotte Independence. Solomon Asante makes a, an appearance for Phoenix Rising. Enoch Mushigalusa, who you saw from Sporting Kansas City 2 with his brace against Atlanta United 2, and JJ Williams from Birmingham Legion. Don't forget, you can vote for Save of the Week and Goal of the Week by going to the USL Championship web webpage at USL Championship. 
Ranking.com. Take a look at the power rankings as uh, we get through week eight. And at the top, no real surprise, it is uh, El Paso going over uh, Tampa and Phoenix because El Paso, the only team that hasn't lost so far this year, staying at number one. You've got Tampa, Phoenix, RGV, Birmingham Legion up two spots to number five, New Mexico United staying at six, Lou City up three points to number seven, Charlotte up four to number eight, San Antonio and Hartford dropping to nine and 10. Atlanta United two stays at number 13, FC Tulsa stays at 15, uh, the Miami FC stays at 16, Indy 11 big fallers from nine to 18, and Charleston drops one to 23, Sporting Kansas City two drops one to 24, and wrapping up, it is Memphis 901 at 28 before their win against Atlanta United 2 in a two-match week. Loud at 29, OKC Energy at number 30. Thanks for hanging out with us for another go-around of everything going on in the USL Championship. Enjoy the games, everybody. Play it safe. We'll see you next time. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. You can listen to us on the go. Hi, I'm Allison Eyring, organization psychologist, CEO, and endurance athlete. I've spent the last 30 years helping companies solve the people and organization challenges of growth. I've worked with all types of CEOs and business leaders around the world, but it really takes a special leader to successfully grow a business at a rapid pace of change. I call them growth leaders. In this episode, we're going to explore and learn more about leading innovation from a leader at 3M, one of the world's most famous innovators. I'm going to speak with Kevin McGuigan, Vice President and Managing Director of Southeast Asia, and also the country leader for Singapore. Welcome, Kevin. So happy to have you on the Growth Leader Podcast. Thank you, Allison. It's, it's a pleasure to join you today. So it's great having you in particular because you know you are a growth leader and also 3M is just such a role model for innovation. So you're leading the business in such an exciting region with so many different markets that are so different. I feel like we're going to learn a lot from you today. Before I start about you know your lessons learned as a growth leader, you just have to tell us a little bit more about the fact that you are a second generation 3Mer and your dad also worked there. So I'm just curious if your what was it like being at home 
Like, did you guys have to wear 3M on your shirt? <laughs> well, not far off. Uh, I will say that, yes, I was very fortunate to grow up with a father that spent 35 years at, at 3M. So for my entire life, 3M has always been a staple around our house, not only with the products, but also with people. So my parents would regularly invite 3Mers over to the house for dinners, luncheons, and really impressed upon me and my two older brothers that they wanted us to get comfortable with adults at a young age. And it was really those 3M adults that would come to the house that really drove my love for the company. And I, I can tell you, Allison, uh, I was often referred to by my mom, my grandma and grandpa as, as Tom Jr., uh, because at a very young age, I was saying, I'm going to work at 3M. I want to be just like my dad. I love that. That's so great. Did, it, did he really encourage you to be innovative as a person? Yes, without question. And when I think back, you know, as a young child, and even as I matured into uh, university, ultimately, my dad's always been a force when it comes to innovation. And it's not just innovation about a, a product, right, or a service just innovation in the way that I think. And he and I especially enjoyed conversations related to business because I've been interested in business since I was a young kid. And so he would bring me into the 3M office as an example when I was in high school uh, to study. And that way it would allow me to interact, to see him in business meetings and really understand how a business is run. And so it was that thinking that he really impressed upon me that, you know, when looking at a problem, don't jump right to the solution. Try to better understand it before you try to start solving it. I love that. Well, I think so many people listening to the Growth Leader podcast are parents. And uh, it's really important for us to think about the fact that, you know, if we may want to lead innovation, we also want to teach our children how to be innovative. So I love the idea of bringing our children into our workplace and helping them understand how we think and to interact with other adults. So it also, in your instance, really helped you grow up with a love of innovation as well as the company. Now, 3M said your, your tagline is, um, we bring science to life. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. Yeah. So why is it, I mean, why does 3M value science so much? Why, why is that so important for innovation? Yes, it's, it's a great question. And really when you Look at our company as a science-based company. Science is at the heart of everything we do. And, and what we do is we, we take our science and we apply it in ways to look at solving some of the greatest challenges that exist throughout the world. And at the end of the day, we, we want to have a, a positive impact through science by delivering innovative solutions. And we are rooted in scientific exploration. And what I can say is, we believe that the, every problem that the world faces has a solution. And what is so exciting about it, I mean, if you look, okay, let's really put it into context. 3M, since we were formed in 1902, has earned over 122,000 patents, which it's a testament to the strength of our innovation engine. And on average, we're adding another 3,500 patents every year. And, and, and really the way that we do this is we have our 51 technology platform. So if you think of the periodic table of elements, we have a 3M technology platform. 
And it's all the different technologies, non-wovens, adhesives, as an example, that we share across the entire company. And we encourage our scientific community to work with specialists to come up with uncommon ways to put those technologies together to, again, solve some of the world's greatest problems. I really like that. I've actually seen that on your wall at your offices where you have the periodic table and it shows all the different products. So it's interesting because you're actually a quite old company and yet it sounds like part of your culture is to value and to breed innovation. So I'm I'm hoping that we can learn more from you also about how you as a leader encourage and develop this uh, both in yourself and, and other people. Yes, most definitely. Kevin, your current role now is as your vice president and managing director for Southeast Asia. You're also the country leader for Singapore. Talk to me a little bit about what you do in your role to continuously build and strengthen a culture of innovation in the areas where you have responsibility. Yeah, that's a, a really good question, Allison. And I think what I would start with first and foremost, is that our company as a whole, regardless of what country or region you work in, is continuously driving uh, a culture of innovation in various ways. And, And from our company culture, flexibility, especially when it comes to work programs to support our employees, uh, has been so important. And also the the whole approach around upskilling. And and what I can tell you is that from a flexibility standpoint, it has been outstanding to, you know, after 18 and a half years to just continue to get a better understanding of what flexibility looks like. And one thing that has impressed me for my entire life is the fact that six decades ago, our company put together a program uh, that we commonly refer to as uh, 15% time. And this is something that we have in our culture across the entire organization. And what this is all about is it's about encouraging all of our employees, regardless of their function, to spend 15% of their working time on projects of their own choosing. So if I work in our safety division, I might elect to spend 15% of my time working on something in our healthcare business versus safety. And what this is all about is it's about giving the employees to be curious and to really explore and use 3M resources to build up a unique team and to follow their own insights in, in pursuit of solving problems. So that's that's one area that is so exciting that, of course, we have in Southeast Asia. And I'd also say that collaboration across all levels is something that I've always found to be so unique about 3M. Really, hierarchy is not something uh, that you find at 3M. While you have it, it's you don't have that top-down, hard push and edict. You can approach anybody at any level, and that holds true all the way up to our CEO. So I love that you're you're talking about two of three important C's. I think about uh, for for a culture of innovation. One is about really breeding curiosity. And and I love how you all do that with giving people free time and, and encouraging and empowering them to explore new uh, new products, new, new ways of working. Collaboration is another C. I think that's so important. So you really encourage your people to work across the boundaries to find solutions. And I want you to talk about a third C, which I think is also so important for innovation, and that's the customer. So what is it that you do to help your people really bring the customer into the way of thinking about innovation? Yes, Allison, it's it's such a, a great question. We are 
always looking for bringing in diverse thought. And, and that's not just internally, it's across the entire organization. What I can say is our founder, William McKnight, uh, had a great philosophy that he drove. And that was, if you're in sales or technical service or application engineering, when you go out to see a customer, I don't want you sitting in their boardroom or their conference room. You need to get out into the factory or into the hospital, whatever it may be, to see how our customers are using our products, or in some cases, not using our products. We, we call it customer-inspired innovation, where we will go out with a cross-functional team and watch our customers work and see how they could either A, use our products better, or B, how maybe we can see by the way that they're working that we have solutions that we can bring to them that they don't actually understand they really need, but because of our deep expertise, we can help them understand that. And so the customer, you know, we talk about the customer being first, and this is a great example. You have to have that external focus uh, in order to really solve the problems. That's such a great example of kind of busting the myth of the innovators, like this smart person coming up with all these great ideas in a, in a room. And, you know, you're really describing a very humble person who goes out and wants to serve someone. And they don't want to just sit in a nice, fancy boardroom and make nice presentations. They actually want to get in the life of the customer and understand their pain points and to be inspired by that to create solutions that work for them. Yeah, it's, and I'll tell you, I started with the company 18 and a half years ago in sales. And for me personally, I couldn't think of a better place to start because it was all about me every day of the week being out with customers and doing exactly what William McKnight talked about, which was getting out into pharmaceutical manufacturers, power plants, automotive manufacturers to see what they do and help them understand how I can help them. Kevin, in your own experience, what do you think is the one thing that keeps people? What prevents them from generating new ideas for products and services that also can be a commercial success? Yeah, I, I think time becomes one that is so important. And time from the standpoint of allowing them to explore. To me, that is absolutely critical because you need curious minds at work to really go out and understand the body of whatever it is that they might be trying to solve. And this ties into really that, you know, encouraging a healthy work-life balance. Uh, because if you don't have that good work-life balance, what ends up happening is people are fatigued. And instead of using, let's say, in 3M's example, that 15% time, they're using time outside of the office or the laboratory, which can be very draining for the individual. And really inhibit their ability to bring curiosity into the workplace. And I think, you know, in addition to the time to explore, also the fear of failure. I think there are many out there that worry that if I take something on, I take a risk and I fail, that they could potentially be reprimanded. Uh, their, their job could be put uh, in jeopardy. And I think if I look at 3M as an example, it's that, that again, 15% culture is what helps us to overcome that, as well as we have very much a culture that encourages uh, risk-taking. And I think the last point I would make on this question, Allison, would be you do need to invest. And investment comes in many ways, but at the end of the day, having the money available to drive R&D is, is critically important. 
We as a company have long invested 6% of our annual sales back into science every single year. So if you look at 2019 as an example, we invested almost $2 billion back into R&D. And uh, that to me is so important for keeping that innovation engine uh, up and running. Well, and that's great for like really big companies that have a lot of resources. So what do you say for a company like mine? Uh, we don't round to the millions, so we have less than 20 employees. How can we be more innovative? Yeah, I have a, a, a very clear vision uh, of, of this, regardless of company size. And it's something I've lived with even before working at 3M, but then really seeing it at 3M and putting it to work. And that is keeping keeping the customer first. I mean, having that outside in perspective to me is so important because regardless of whether you're offering a product or a service and regardless of your size, if you don't have a firm grasp of that target market that you're going after and what it is that is working for them, what's not working for them, where are they trying to go in the next one to five years? Those are the things that companies of any size need to understand so that then they can go back and really start working on problem statements or solution statements to say, here's what we need to do. And the reason we're doing it is because the customer has expressed that they need that either directly or indirectly. And of course, having a continuous mechanism for going out and checking, hey, this is what we're working on. Does this make sense to you? To have that constant feedback is is critically important for anybody. That's I love that what you just said, Kevin, because you know, you don't have to pay money to have a customer first mindset. And I think you mentioned a couple of things that you can do to help encourage that. And you know, one was around being really clear the why. Why are you doing this? What's the world of the customer? Really trying to understand them and the problems and then and really being outside in. So I, I think that is something anyone can use regardless of the size of the business. Yes, I, I totally agree with you, Allison. Now, Kevin, I have an opportunity to, for you to match wits with our Prodigy software that guides leaders to grow in the flow of work as they deliver results. Are you ready? I am ready. Awesome. All right. So one of the things that Prodigy does is it has a a number of sprints to help people build muscles in innovation and growth mindset. And we have one sprint in Prodigy. It's called Create Innovation. So it's really about helping the user build muscles in coming up with more ideas and bigger broaden their thinking than they might normally do. So I want to see what you have to say if you're coaching one of your people about how they can create innovative ideas. What would be one or two actions that you would suggest to them? So I would start by really laying a foundation with mindset is so important. Uh, And before getting into it, you know, really painting the picture for them about the importance of growth mindset and this notion of thinking unconstrained. You know, these are philosophies and principles that we have throughout the company. You know, that that notion of unconstrained thinking, meaning don't think about how much money you have, how much time you have, just think big picture. And so what I would do then is I would, you know, recommend to the team that they make sure that they they channel their inner child. You know, that that curiosity and that innovation and problem solving, you know, that an inner child would bring. And and one way that I I love to do that with teams is to get the teams out team building, to really 
have an activity that has nothing to do with the project, but to help them really get to a point where they understand each other, each other's personality, so that they can really come together and be a cohesive team. And then next, what I would do is I would really push the team to get out and seek opinions and feedback uh, from not only their team internally and other stakeholders internally, but also getting out and, and getting an understanding from external stakeholders like the customers, as I talked about before. Because I think that to me is great. Understand what's been done in the past. And because just because something's been done in the past and it didn't work doesn't mean you can't do it today because things have changed with time. And so those are two things. And I guess the last one I would add would just be that I would encourage the team to invest and explore and in learning and development opportunities to help their teams and their employees continue to upskill and bring in skills that may become more and more relevant as they're working through a potential challenge as it relates to innovation. So Kevin, you and Prodigy are in perfect agreement on involving customers. So one of Prodigy's recommended actions is conducting customer visits with cross-functional teams to understand pain points and to explore different solutions, which is also part of what you were talking to me about earlier. Can you give me an example of you know what's one thing you might suggest to a team that's going to do a customer visit like that to make it just be a total success? That is a great question. And it's a piece of advice that my first ever uh, manager, my hiring manager, gave to me. And it was, Kevin, always remain curious when you're with the customer. You know, Don't be afraid of asking a question that you think seems uh, dumb or too obvious. So really get in there and ask questions and ask questions for the purpose of getting a deeper understanding, not just for you know, stifling uh, silence that you might have in the room. Really, really dig and have good follow-up questions and be curious. Kevin, one of the behaviors that Prodigy has that the recommends to, to work on is around building psychological safety. So I was thinking about that as I was listening to you because one of the behaviors that Prodigy will encourage users to try is where they're allowing others to contribute their ideas, you know, re- regardless of whether they agree or not. And I think you were just talking about that when you said be curious. You know, don't, it's like don't feel like you have to show that you know everything. And you have to really be curious and listen. What's your advice on that? How do you help people create that openness and safety for others to share their ideas, regardless of whether you agree or not? Yes, that is, it's so great first to hear psychological safety specifically being called out because I, I can tell you it's, it's always been important, but it's never been more important than right now with everything that the world is facing as it relates to the COVID-19 pandemic. So one thing that we've done at the company for as long as I've been there, is you know really set up and encourage diverse perspective and also a culture that is deeply rooted in inclusion. That is really what makes our company so strong. Is that it's not about you know saying, well, that's an obvious question, or telling somebody, yeah, no, that's not a good idea. It's not about that because all ideas are good. Just not all ideas are right for a certain project that teams are working on. And so having that as a foundation, but then I think going back to my my earlier point, Allison, I think it's important to have teams get together and get to know each other outside of the project. So that whole notion of 
team building activity. And that can be team building activity if they if they want to go out for a happy hour, if they, they want to go and have a barbecue, if they want to go out, which is very common in 3M, and volunteer with uh, uh, organizations like the Red Cross or Habitat for Humanity to do good in the community. That's what is so important because now you're working as a team, getting to know each other, getting to respect one another. And it makes it so much easier for people to feel safe to either A, offer up ideas, or B, maybe let another team member know if, if they don't feel like they're being treated fair. I think that's such a great advice for, for anyone. You know, Whether you're in charge of the team or you're a team member, it's really looking out for the others, asking questions, inviting them to participate, um, and creating space for people to share their ideas. Because then by doing that, they say, ah, they get confidence um, that they can also be innovative. And that's important for a growth leader. Yes, I, I agree. Now, Kevin, I'm going to wrap up in a second. I know that 3M is doing something really cool right now with the Singapore Science Center, and I just want to ask you to put in a plug for it. Yes, I am so glad that you asked about that because it is really, really exciting. And, and what I can say is, Back in 2018, we organized as a company uh, what is known as our annual State of Science Index. And it's a survey that we conduct every year now. And it's a global independent survey, which involves here in Singapore, 1,000 respondents. And what we're doing is we're, we're tracking and exploring how people think and feel about the field of science and its impact on the world around us. And I am so excited uh, that we will be launching the 3M State of Science virtual panel discussion together with a great partner of ours, Science Center Singapore, on June 22nd to really spark conversations on the perceptions of science among Singaporeans, especially amidst the, the COVID-19 pandemic. It's, it's going to be really exciting, Allison. Awesome. I hope everyone will join you there. Yes. Definitely. Kevin, you've given us so many ideas about innovation, creating innovation, leading innovation. And I kind of go away with my three C's. This is super helpful to think about, you know, being curious and encouraging others to be curious and building the safety within an environment. So to allow people to be curious and to contribute their ideas. Other C is this collaboration. You know, the, the idea that good problems don't happen in isolation and to encourage work across groups and break down silos. The third, of course, is the big C of the customer. And you make such a great point about putting the customer first, allowing their world and their problems to inspire solutions. That customer-inspired innovation is really valuable because it helps lead to more commercial successes of innovation. And it's free. We don't have to spend a lot of money on patents to have a customer-first mindset. But we also, if we want to be able to have lots of patents, we need to be able to have resources, time, and um, focused effort to achieve that. We can learn so much from you and from 3M, and I really appreciate you taking time today. Thanks so much. Thank you, Allison. It is my pleasure. Well, thanks for listening today. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to Growth Leaders wherever you get your podcast. Leave a comment and a rating. We'd love to hear what you think. If you have comments or questions about growth and growth leadership, be sure to mail us at growthleaders at organizationsolutions.com. Growth Leaders is produced by Organization Solutions in partnership with MediaCorp.
us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Welcome to the Exit Mindset Podcast. I'm Ramakali. 15 years ago, when I was trying to sell one of my companies, I couldn't get what I thought was the right price for it. I realized I had things set up the wrong way, even though the company was profitable. So I spent years researching and studying exit strategies to improve my company's valuation. I discovered that the same process that improves valuation would improve business profitability and give me more free time. I'm here to show you what I have learned. You see, the best way to grow your business is to look at it from the perspective of someone who's going to buy your company. Once you start thinking that way, magic happens and you start seeing things you could not see before. But that's not all. I also discovered the three principles that you must know to command a better price for your company. The three principles are, first, the product, second, the infrastructure, and third, the conversation you have with the consumer. Once you master these three principles, you will be on your way to increasing your profits, your company valuation, and get more work-life balance. So listen in and learn how you can do that I will teach you through this podcast lessons from the trenches, and we will have a dialogue with some of the greatest minds on the planet. Do you ever say to yourself, why aren't things working out so quickly? Why does it take so much time? Is this really going to be over? Well, the title of this episode today is Nothing Happens in One Day. In this episode, you will have the tools that you need to dig in for the long haul and you will feel much more confident about the outcome of your business once you do all these things. So there's all sorts of theory out there about whether you should set goals or don't set goals. Goals should be written, goals should be repeated, goals should be chanted, you name it. There's always a way that somebody invented how you should put your goals together. But of course, the most common one of them all is write your goals down. But even that by itself is an art. And the reason I say it's an art, because everybody's got some sort of a template or general things that people say they should be thinking about, and it ignores the reality of your own circumstances. The biggest thing about goals is that if you are really, really trying to do things and enthusiastic, you're going to set some goals that are pretty lofty and you want them pretty quickly. And that's okay. There's no problem with that. The big thing you got to realize is that sometimes it just doesn't work out the way you want it. And it just takes a little bit longer. So the key to this is that you got to be patient. And patience by itself is an art, especially when inundated every day with all sorts of issues that you got to deal with when it comes to your business and your company. So you've already thought about your product. You have an exit mindset. You thought about your infrastructure. You have your conversations set up correctly. And you're moving forward, but you're just not getting there. So I'm going to teach you a strategy that you could use to actually help you move forward and move a little bit quicker than the normal. So the normal way of doing this is that you wake up every day and look at what's around you in your company and trying to figure out how you could move it forward and see if you could do better. But what if you take your numbers, set them up in front of you and create a master KPI that you look at and try to see how close are you to that master KPI? Most likely you're not close to it. And for most companies, they're not. So If you're not close to it, that's a good thing. If you are, probably that's a bad thing. I'm going to tell you why. Because that means you're not planning on growing. 
you're just happy and satisfied. And guess what the worst thing in the business world is? Satisfaction. I've seen many companies go from greatness to mediocrity simply because they're too comfortable. They just had achieved their goal and never bothered setting a new one. So ultimately, you should be always in the business of a higher goal from where you are. But having said that, if you set that goal and look at it, your daily routine should be to look at your numbers on a, some sort of a spreadsheet or some sort of a planning board that you have and trying to figure out why aren't you at that master KPI that you are planning on getting to. 90% of the time, you're going to find issues that you've neglected. You're going to find problems you haven't addressed. And you're going to find things that you could be doing that will get you closer to it. That these things would have not have happened had you not had that master KPI related to what you have every day. There is one more ingredient that I must mention to you, which is called annoyance. So if you look at the master KPI and you look at your current numbers and go, yeah, I don't like it, but mm, it's okay. You're not getting anywhere. But if you're truly uncomfortable and annoyed and happy with it, that's where creativity comes in. And you're going to find that you're going to be doing things that are going to get you to solve some of the problems that are not getting you there. For example, let's say you have a KPI of X amount of revenues for the month. And when you look at it, you find that you're only generating one-tenth of that KPI. Well, now you go, why am I not getting there? You start asking questions. Those questions has to be asked in a profound way with you and your team looking at them and going, why? Somebody might come back and say, well, look, our infrastructure right now doesn't accommodate us getting three or four times the revenue we need to do because simply we have a problem with shipping. Our shipping department can't ship as much. It's just fictional. I'm coming up with that. But let's say that's a problem. Okay, you go, that's one problem. What's, what's the other problem? Well, also our product, we got people that are taking them to have many returns. So we're not able to double up or triple our revenues in here because not many people are buying it. We're getting some bad name here and there. Oh, let's just take those two problems. And I can guarantee you many businesses can go to five, six, seven, eight problems. So if you take those two problems right now, then you start going, okay, well, what do we need to do here? Well, our shipping department needs to be expanded because we can only ship so many units. Oh, okay. Well, now you start working on that solution because that particular problem is preventing you from getting to that 10x number, 10 times the number you want. Right now, you, you are at one-tenth. So you start fixing that problem. As you fix that problem, you're going to find it will create some impact. Then you go to the second problem. And you might do it simultaneously, but you might go sequentially, depending on what you're doing. So you might go to your product and address one issue. Why is it doing this? Well, maybe for that reason, that reason, that reason. You get three or four reasons. Well, can we fix that? And through discussions, because you really are unhappy about the way it is, you're going to start coming up with solutions. And if you do that over and over again, over multiple parts of your operation, doing it every day, in my opinion, should be a daily thing, the solutions will compound and multiply by exponential amount. And that's where growth comes in. If I tell you I'm going to give you one thing that you could do that will explode your company with an exit mindset, it'll be that. Because that 10x number we're talking about could be your exit number. Could be the number I want to have. So that when a buyer comes in and says, this is the kind of revenues that I have. And here's my product. Here's my infrastructure. Here's what, what I got. And not to mention that this number itself could represent serious opportunities to you and to the people around you. Remember, you don't operate in a vacuum. It's not about one person or one entity. It's about everybody. It's about you. It's about your company. It's about the people that work in it. It's about the community. 
It's about the entire world. So you got to take that approach that everybody's in this. It's not just you. The most important thing about this exercise and the goal of it is, is not to take it casually or just be using a monotonous way. I find that many times people just look at numbers or KPIs and they treat them just like a utterance of words that is meaningless. And if you start doing that or people around you start doing that, forget it. You're just going to walk in every day, do the same thing over and over again, and you're going to pay attention to it. The key to this is profound assessment of where you are where you need to be. And if you do that in a very sincere, proactive way, I promise you'll change everything. I don't want to make the podcast too long because I want to leave you with that one point only, that if you do that, you assess your company and you assess your KPI and you start asking questions and start finding out what the problems are and you start fixing them, you're going to get somewhere. Don't try and dig into every little problem, but don't take just one problem. Try and see if you can get a multiple number of issues that you have at hand and see if you could fix them all at the same time or one at a time. My guess is most likely one at a time. And you probably have to learn how to assign some of these tasks to different people so they could fix them for you or you fix them yourself. Ultimately, leadership boils down on you. You need to know that. And people are relying on you. So you got to be able to take the initiative and start looking at the exit mindset as the path to take to make sure that your company thrives, the people that are in thrive, and that one day, if you decide to sell the company, you'd have the right valuation for it. If you have any questions on that, feel free to email me at askrem at exitmindset.com. Remember, action is everything. Use it or lose it. You've just listened to the Exit Mindset Podcast with Bram Akili. If you haven't yet subscribed or followed, please do so in your podcast listening app. Or better yet, visit exitmindset.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our bonus content. Lastly, we want to help as many business owners as possible. If you know anyone who could benefit from the information given in this podcast, please feel free to share it with them. Until next time. For the true crime addicts, Discovery Plus has the largest library of true crime content ever. With thousands of shows to choose from, you can binge all of your favorites, plus new exclusive original series. Your investigation starts here. Discovery Plus is the streaming home of true crime, food, nature, paranormal, home, romance, plus so much more. And it's just $4.99. Start your free trial today. What up, man? It's your boy DJ Nothing Nice, WNNRDB, Orlando, Florida, giving you exclusive music and interviews worldwide, doing it just like this. It's time, it's time, it is time for the discussion topic. Discussion topics brought to you by Talkspace.com with your boy DJ Nothing Nice, WNNRDB, Orlando, Florida, giving you exclusive music and interviews worldwide. We got that, them top headliners for you. Um, at this moment, real quick, and then we got some sports, and then we have some of them uh, Billboard news. I am a Billboard uh, member, so we're going to be definitely um, talking about some Billboard news, and then we're going to get into um, a little bit of sports news, and also we're going to hit you with that Billboard Part 8, Billboard Part 8. Once again, we are not doctors. We don't plan to be. 
on that level as far as that right there at this moment. But we want to make sure we give you the information that you need um, that we receive as uh, a veteran. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to all the people who served in the military and armed forces, such as myself. You know what I'm saying? And those who are currently serving. And, and RIP for those who gave the ultimate sacrifice and um, defended their country. You know what I'm saying? So let's get into it. Once again, it's brought to you by Talkspace.com. Your boy DJ Not The Nice. This has no reflection on any of our sponsorships, any of our partners. It is a sole mindset of DJ Nothing Nice himself. Top headliners. Top headliners, uh, advocacy group, um, push White House to fill the fifth seat. Um, uh, digital transforms, uh, di- digital transformations at uh, Cyrus XM shifts, shifts focuses to outside the car you can find those on um inside radio.com inside radio.com biden warns of devastation consequences for russia if a navel uh dies in prison you can check that story out at uh cnn.com um cnn.com um but with uh cnn politics and um, that story is brought to you by betsy colleen and megan e-m-a-e-g-a-n Vasquez. Yes. Okay. Uh, President Biden warned Russia uh, President uh, Vladimir Putin of the consequences if um, Russian opposition leader of A-L-E-X-E-A and A-V-A-L-E-N were to die in prison, um, though he declared to he, he denied he declined to specify what actions he would take. Um, I just want to say one thing real quick. You know, I don't know the justifications uh, of this story. In it, but you know, I'm gonna do a little bit more research in it. But I've always, I've always said, you know, as we are the protectors, I guess we have to feel like we're the protectors. Um, United States of America, we're protectors of, of not just um, United States of America, but of I guess the world, and we have to, I guess, protect the world. You know what I'm saying? Because I guess like the Michael Jackson song says, "We are the world, we are the children." I guess that's that's what it is when we when it comes to United States of America. Don't want to get into too many deep deep politics with that because everybody has their own um opinion when it comes to stuff like that and we are that's what we're here for as far as um being human beings you know what i'm saying it doesn't matter where you're from but being human beings at the end of the day guess what we have a choice you know what i'm saying we have a choice to defend ourselves we have a choice to defend other countries we have a choice to have our opinions about defending other countries and about being who we are as you know uh americans and as whoever you know wherever you come from you know what i mean but you know that my my mindset is is like okay uh here we go again that's all that's all I'm gonna say it's not 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 a net negative not I'm not shooting any type of shade or negativity I'm just saying all right you know what I'm saying we'll see we'll see what comes out of this you know um also Southern Baptist uh grapple uh over key issue and a pivotal annual meeting and that's by Aaron uh, Barnett out front um that's you can find that story at once again at CNN.com under CNN politics um it says um. There is a, a political fight brewing inside the nation's largest uh, Protestant domination as the Southern Baptist Convention gathered in Nashville for its annual meeting. You can check that story once again um, at CNN.com, CNN.com under CNN Politics. And that story is by Nick Bill, B-A-L-E-N-C-I-A. All right. Moving on, man. That was the top headliners real quick. Your boy, DJ Nothing Nice. Nothing Nice Radio giving you exclusive music and interviews worldwide. ESPN Playoffs. ESPN Playoffs. ESPN Playoffs. NBA. NBA. KD showed out. He showed out. He showed out the other night. He showed out the other night versus Giannis. We'll see what happens. 
we'll see what happens in the next moment when they meet. You know what I'm saying? On the NBA playoffs, you know, uh, my Knicks is out. You know what I'm saying? So, hey, man, shout out to, you know, the Nets. You know what I'm saying? And no, no disrespect because over there they still doing it. Shout out to the KD still still shooting. You know what I'm saying? Like he's supposed to shoot. You feel me? That's all I'm going to say on that. I'm going to leave that alone right there. KD, you, that's the way you, because when I play NBA 2K, you know what I'm saying? Shout out to NBA 2K, by the way. When I play my NBA 2K, you know what I'm saying? And I want to play, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, I got KD on the squad. You know, I already know that's a sniper. You know what I'm saying? Besides myself. Besides myself, because I'm a 6'8", 235, stretch four. You know what I'm saying? That's all I want to say. If you, if anybody want to get at me, holla at your boy, DJ Nothing Nice. You know what I'm saying? On the Twitter page, the real DJ Nothing Nice. Gotta, 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 definitely gotta throw that out there. You know what I'm saying? Because when I, you know what I'm saying? People like to talk, talk a little smack. You know what I'm saying? Like, they want to talk smack over here. I'm on PS5, by the way. You know, uh, you know, uh, Instagram, you know, Instagram Live. You see me. You see me right here with the, you know, with the controller right here. So, Anybody want that action, holla at your boy. You know what I'm saying? Send me a request to Real DJ Nothing Nice on Twitch. We'll get up. You know what I'm saying? And then we'll go at it. You know what I'm saying? Win, lose, or draw. We we got we to gotta get busy. You know what I'm saying? Makes you better. If you have that competition, if people are better than you or not better than you, you still have that competition. Still build relationships on that end. But anyway, going back to ESPN.com, KD, uh, Giannis, we'll see what happens. You know what I'm saying? WNBA Seattle versus Indiana, Atlanta versus Washington, Connecticut versus Chicago, Minnesota versus Dallas, New York versus Las Vegas. I got to get to one of them, one of them games, man. Definitely WNBA. Shout out to the women doing their thing, hooping, scooping, hooping, crossing over, and even dunking. You know what I'm saying? So don't, you know, what I'm saying don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. Major League Baseball: Baltimore versus Cleveland, Arizona versus San Francisco, uh, New York Yankees versus Toronto, Chicago Cubs versus the New York Mets. Uh, St. Louis versus Atlanta, uh, the White Sox, Chicago White Sox versus Houston, Cincinnati versus San Diego, Milwaukee versus Colorado, D- uh, Detroit versus um, Los Angeles, Tampa Bay versus Seattle. That's your boy DJ Nothing Nice. Uh, brought to you by um, ESPN, ESPN.com. Make sure you check it out, WNBA, MLB, and playoffs. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to ESPN over there. You know what I mean? Got to do it like that. Got to give it up. Got to give it like that for the sports. You know what I'm saying? And if you want more sports, please make sure you go to ESPN.com. They got Major League Baseball. They got hockey. They got everything up there. So just, you know, get get up there, see what you got to do. Even e-gaming. You know what I'm saying? E-gaming for my people who don't like to get on the sticks, such as myself. Got to keep on going back to that. You know what I'm saying? It's nothing nice gaming. You know what I'm saying? We, uh, gaming speaks for itself. That's all I want to say. Billboard News. Billboardnews.com. I am a Billboard member. Um, shout out to Billboards. Um, uh, if you're fortunate to get a uh, be on the Billboard's chart, shout out to you, um, whoever, whomever you are, and whatever genre of, of music that you do. But at the meantime, too, we also want to give the um, the news on the end. You know what I'm saying? Because it's, it's it's more than just the music. You know what I mean? Any organization dealing with uh, the industry, it's more than it's more than music. You know what I'm saying? It's more than more about more about the the person. You know what I'm saying? More about the brand than it is music and more about how we can get better each and every moment. You feel me? Um, Billboard News. After criticism on excessive spending, Record Academy looking to hire in-house uh, general counsel. That's by Paul Green, G-R-E-I-N-E. Um, after years of scrutiny for spending millions of dollars in outside legal counsel, the Recording Academy has begun a search for an in-house general counsel. That's by Billboard's, Billboards.com. You can make sure you check that out. I am a Grammy member myself, so yes, that's 
family to me, and that's uh, good news. I'm gonna say it like that because you know we have a lot of different people, just like any other company, just like any other organization, just like any other brand. Um, there are are smart people um, within our our brand that we can possibly use for different services. Just like when you talk to family members each day, or you don't talk to families each day, you have family members that are doctors, lawyers, DJs. Only fan members, gamers, whatever you want to call it, you know, it's it's, it's there. You know what I'm saying? So just let's look at it like that. When you're when you are a part of an organization, just just look at it like that. Don't always look at the bad stuff because it's easy to talk about the bad stuff. You know what I'm saying? It's easy to talk about the bad stuff. You know, everybody could talk about this person, that person, or or what this person not doing, what this company's not doing. They can do better. I can DJ better. I can produce better. But the thing about it is, is if you was to come together as one, you'll be stronger. And guess what? You can share tidbits of information that you both need to be successful within the brand. You know what I'm saying? So, hey, man, they say each reach one, teach one or how that goes. Hey, man, you got you got it. You got to do it. man. You got to get that knowledge in there. All right. OK. All right. Uh, Billboard Latin Music Week reward uh, returns to returns live to Miami in September. Um, that's by Griselda Flores. It's G-R-I-S-E-L-D-A Flores, F-L-O-R-E-S. Uh, following its first ever virtual um, edition in 2020, Billboard's Latin Music Week is set to return live to Miami on September 2025. All right. From 20 to 25. All right. Um, under the slogan, the best, excuse me, the beat of Latin music, the weekend long celebration will feature live conversations, workshops, showcases and perform with Latin's top hit makers, action influencers and industry leaders. Once again, you can find that story at billboard.com. Uh, uh, make sure you sign up. You know what I'm saying? It's more, like I said, it's more than, more than music, man. It's more than music. All right. Spotify uh, relaunches Clubhouse competitor locator room as a Spotify green room. That's by Chris Eggertson, the C-R-I-S-E-G-G-E-R-T-E-S-E-N. Spotify is relaunching Locker Room, the live app in uh, it acquired in March. BIA, uh, the purchase of Betty Labs at Spotify Green Room, the company announced. So if you want to check out any of those stories, man, make sure you sign up. Um, go to billboards.com and um, sign up, man. You'll get the news. You'll get the top charts. You'll get everything. You know what I'm saying? In each genre, you know, it is what it is, man. Your boy, DJ Nothing Nice, WNNRDB, Orlando, Florida, giving you exclusive music and interviews worldwide. Brought to you by Talkspace, man. Talkspace.com. Talkspace.com, the counselor when you need it. Because at the end of the day, we all need help. You know what I'm saying? Mentally. We all need mental help. We all need physical help. We all need spiritual help. And sometimes we may need financial help. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, guess what? It's all on us. It's all on us to show that L-O-V-E love. You feel me? You had to do that. You had to do that. It is what it is, man. But now let's get into the other portion. Um, We're going to get into the bipolar section of this. Uh, once again, we are not doctors. We are not nurses. We are just people here to give you information. Like I always say, um, if you tune into um, this session right here um, or if you t tune into the previous sessions that we like to talk about things that will help you mind, body and soul. The goal is always to encourage, to inform and to enlighten. You know what I mean? So um, it's, it's more than music. It's more than getting awards. It's more than being recognized for a great uh, brand that you are. Uh, we, we like to help you out uh, mentally, too, as well, and um, get you to where you need to be um, throughout that day, throughout that moment. So going to you, giving to you, uh, one of the 
one of the topics that we like to share at this moment that we've been sharing um, through the self-care handbook, you can manage bipolar disorder. OK, so we're going to get into that real quick. It's your boy DJ Nothing Nice, WNNRDB, Orlando, Florida, giving you exclusive music and interviews worldwide. And once again, with the stuff that we talk about as far as on the health side, please make sure you see your primary care advisor and doctor, you know what I mean, to, to get adequate information that you need to provide for your mental health, your physical health, your spiritual health. You know what I'm saying? Got to got to do it like that. It's always it's always I always got to give you that. Man, we always we always got to do that to you because if we don't if if we don't do that for you, um I don't know, man. I don't know what to say, but that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. Uh, outside of that, man, hey man, we got to keep it moving. Crisis planning, okay? This section is called crisis planning. Once again, this is brought to you by your boy DJ Nothing Nice, WNNRDB, Orlando, Florida, giving you exclusive music and interviews worldwide. Talk space on the self care handbook. Self care handbook. Self care handbook. Um, you can manage bipolar disorder. Okay. All right, let's get into it real quick. Your boy DJ Nothing Nice. Wanna always make sure you have that information that you need you know what i'm saying i keep on having to i really i really i really reiterate uh these things because a lot of people think that it's just people don't go through things within the industry or just people don't go through things within life you know what i'm saying not just the industry but on on our on our behalf with the radio with djs with engineers with producers with models with everything we go through issues too we we don't say something we don't show it sometimes it may be shown uh, um or may leak out uh when, it, when we don't want it to leak out you understand what i'm saying but Eventually, we get the help that we need. All right. Crisis planning. A crisis is a situation in which you need prompt treatment. Someone else may have to call your health care provider for you. Why do you need to plan for a crisis? Planning for a crisis helps ensure that a situation has the best outcome. Take steps to get the best care. Signs of crisis. Following are some common signs of crisis. Okay. Threatening or acting like you will hurt yourself or other people. Not eating or drinking for a couple of days, staying in bed most of the day, not sleeping at all, going on shopping sprees, using alcohol or other drugs, hallucinogens, seeing other things that are not there, delusions, believing things that aren't true, uncontrollable uh, pacing or other compulsive behavior. Okay, making a plan. It says making a plan. Your healthcare provider, therapist, or members of a support group. For people with bipolar disorder may be able to help you develop a crisis plan. Your plan may include contact information for your psychiatrist and therapist, contact information for people in your support network, instructions for contacting your employer if you need to be hospitalized, instructions for taking care of your children and pets if you need to be hospitalized, a list of medications you take and you need to avoid. Okay. Practical matters. Learn about your health insurance coverage before a crisis occurs. That's very important. Make sure um, you get that health together because we can go through life partying. We can go through life having a great time. But that body, that mind, body and soul is what matters. You know what I'm saying? That mind, body and soul is what matters. Learn about your health insurance coverage before a crisis occurs. Okay. Also, be sure you know how to contact your health care provider and therapist in an emergency. You should be able to get help at any time you need it. Advanced directives. This is a legal documentation. This is a legal document that outlines the kinds of treatment you want during a crisis. You write it when you are stable. 
it takes effect if it is decided that you can't make healthcare decisions for yourself. Talk to your healthcare provider for more or contact one of the national organizations, okay? Tips for people in your support network. Be sure to involve people in your support network. Be sure to involve people in your support network. Not your haters, not nobody who don't like you, but be sure to involve people in your support network and planning for a crisis, okay? If you make any changes to the plan, let them know. Also, talk to them about the best way to respond to you if you show extreme symptoms. It's your boy, DJ Nothing Nice, WNNRDB, Orlando, Florida, giving you exclusive music and interviews worldwide. That right there is another portion um, coming from your self-care handbook. You can manage bipolar disorder, giving you, your boy, DJ Nothing Nice, giving you exclusive music and interviews world nine, world nine, worldwide. Brought to you by Talkspace, man. Brought to you by Talkspace, man. Um, giving the headliners, um, giving the billboard news, giving you the, um, of course, the sports, man. Boy, you gotta get the sports, you know, because that's what we know. It's about that time. It's about that time. We almost there. We almost there with the mask off, with the mask off fully, fully, fully. Just hold on, people. Hold on. Do what you need to do. Take care of yourself. Wear your mask. If you have to wear your mask in the end, if you ain't, if you ain't got your, your shot, hey, man, get that mask. You know what I'm saying? Hey, just, just for your people. Just for the people. If you don't want to do it and you want to wait it out, understandable. You know what I'm saying? Whatever that's best for you that keeps all of us safe. You feel me? All of us safe. So brought to you by Talkspace.com. We gave you the top headliners. We gave you the, of course, we gave you the sports. We gave you the billboard news and we gave you the bipolar um, portion of how you can manage your bipolar just want to say real quick you know we just want to appreciate you for always following us man always supporting us and always keeping in your thoughts because without you there would be no us shout out to you that's always tuning in to us make sure you follow us on our instagram our facebook page man give us a like make sure you subscribe to the page at www.djnothingnice.com you know what i mean and um also check out our podcast too man you know check out our podcast check out our live shows just get just stay informed just stay informed with us we got some great things coming um for the rest of this year and on until next year you know what i'm saying we're gonna keep it rolling 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 you know what i'm saying we're gonna keep it rolling baby but it is what it is man your boy dj nothing nice wnnrdb for the discussion topic discussion topics make sure you stay consistent have communication and anything and everything that you do man you know what i'm saying we going it's getting it's going down like that it's going down like that it's your boy dj nothing nice let's go Welcome back to the quickest podcast ever, brought to you by Kohl's. Today's topic, Father's Day. Yep, just got 25% off some champion t-shirts at Kohl's. My dad's all about staying active. Sounds terrific. <laughs> Was that a dad joke? I felt fitting. Like the yard games I got from my husband. They were 50% off and I got Kohl's cash. It's the best feeling, isn't it? What, the deals or the Kohl's cash? Or getting it in less than an hour with free store pickup. Well, all the above. Select styles. Sale ends June 20th. Coupons do not apply to champion. See store or kohls.com for details. Amazon is offering sign-on bonuses up to $1,000. Plus, get up to $20 an hour for select roles. The best part? We're hiring near you. So start now to take home something greater. New, higher wages with a sign-on bonus. A range of real benefits and career growth opportunities in a top-rated workplace. So earn more and see how great pay and sign-on bonuses can lead to a greater life for you. Go to Amazon.com apply. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. Keep listening to our weekly episodes to find out more.
Tonight, the historic summit between President Biden and Russian President Vladimir Putin. The two leaders coming face to face here in Geneva. The high stakes talks lasting just three hours, then dueling news conferences. The president saying he did what he came to do and that he does not believe Russia wants a new Cold War. The warning he gave to Putin on cyber attacks, but the Russian leader deflecting responsibility. Also discussed inside the room, the imprisonment of Alexei Navalny, the return of ambassadors and new nuclear talks. And what Putin said about the Capitol riot that President Biden called ridiculous. Our team here in Geneva with full coverage. Also tonight, the record-breaking heat wave, 40 million under alerts, roadways buckling out of the intense heat. Is there any relief in sight? And the developing tropical threat we're tracking. The Delta COVID variant and growing concerns it could become dominant in the U.S., the areas most at risk, and the new message from the Surgeon General. The Biden administration's major reversal of Trump-era policy on transgender students' rights as battles rage in dozens of states. And the dire new report on the U.S. housing crisis. How long will prices soar? This is NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt. The Biden-Putin Summit. Reporting tonight from Geneva, Switzerland. Good evening, everyone. A critical door was opened today between the USA and Russia. Whether it stays open, even President Biden and President Putin can't say. The two ending their historic summit meeting here in Geneva with vague understandings and to-do items on issues ranging from nuclear arsenals to cybersecurity. Both framing the meeting and tone in terms like productive and positive. President Biden saying he wanted to establish basic rules of the road between the two nations, saying he pressed the Russian president on human rights. Putin pushing back, turning the tables on some issues. And at the end of it all, no clear roadmap from here about next steps. President Biden and Russian President Putin face to face. Their highly anticipated summit shorter than expected. Afterwards, President Biden insisting he achieved his goals at the summit he asked for. I did what I came to do. The tone of the entire meetings was good, positive. There wasn't any, any uh, strident action taken. Each moment carefully choreographed. President Putin arriving first at the Swiss villa, followed by President Biden pausing in his armored limousine before getting out. Then, Mr. Biden reaching out for a handshake. The two presidents never meeting alone. Secretary of State Blinken and the Russian foreign minister there, too. I hope that our meeting will be productive, Putin says. Well, thank you. As I said outside, I think it's always better to make face-to-face. -face. not grabbing. Chaotic moments as Russian media and Russian security pushed and shoved the American press. Both leaders looking on. President Biden had said he would confront the Russian leader on issues like election interference, Putin's crackdown on critics, and recent ransomware attacks on America's food and gas supply that the U.S. blames on Russian hackers. In an unusual move, President Biden not holding a joint press conference with Putin afterwards. Instead, in dueling appearances, both sides offering sometimes differing views of how it went. On cyber attacks, President Biden saying he gave Putin a list of critical infrastructure that he wants off limits, along with this sharp message. I pointed out to him we have significant cyber capability. And if, in fact, they violate these basic norms, we will respond. 
But no mention of that from Putin, who deflected any responsibility, blaming the U.S. The majority of cyber attacks are made from the U.S. territory. Both sides saying they would talk further on the matter. On jailed Putin critic Alexei Navalny, President Biden saying he gave this warning if Navalny died in custody. I made it clear to him that I believe the, the consequences of that would be devastating for Russia. But when Putin was asked about Navalny, he never mentioned his name, even comparing Russia's democracy activists to rioters at the U.S. Capitol. People went into U.S. Congress with political demands. They are called homegrown terrorists. That's a ridiculous comparison. Putin saying he felt no pressure, describing their conversation in personal terms. I can say that he is a constructive person, well-balanced and experienced. He recalled his family and conversations he had with his mother. It is all appealing. President Biden suggesting Russia is eager to lower tensions. I don't think he's looking for a cold war with the United States. While the two leaders agreed to return ambassadors and to start talks on arms control, no movement on other thornier issues. He denied any involvement in cyber attacks. He downplayed human rights abuses. He even refused to say Alexei Navalny's name. So how does that account to a constructive meeting as President, President Putin? President? You don't understand that. You're in the wrong business. Later, President Biden apologized for that answer and was asked again about what was gained here. If you were in my position, would you say, well, I don't think, man, anything's going to happen. It's going to be really rough. I think it's going to really be bad. There's a value to being realistic and put on an optimistic front, an optimistic face. All right, let's bring in Peter Alexander and Andrea Mitchell, who are both here with me in Geneva. Peter, I'll start with you. What's the White House position on how this went? Yeah, Lester, President Biden is making the argument that he accomplished his goals on this trip, restoring America's leadership and its alliances, and that he directly confronted Vladimir Putin, saying he is not against Russia, he is for the American people. Still, this summit also revealed serious disagreements. The White House goes home unable to tout any significant, tangible progress on Russia. The president says we'll see what happens, but his critics are going to hold him to a very tight timeline. And, Andrea, what did we learn about Joe Biden on his first trip as president abroad? Well, this is the Joe Biden we knew from the Senate and from the White House. He said before heading home that foreign policy is not some secret code. It's all about personal relationships. So he let Vladimir Putin know exactly where he stands on Russian cyber attacks, on Ukraine, on Alexei Navalny. And he set down some clear lines. The only problem is... If there is another Russian hack, is he prepared to take action? And at the end of the day, he and Vladimir Putin are no closer to agreeing on much of anything. All right, Andrea and Peter, thanks to both of you. Let's bring in Keir Simmons, who interviewed Vladimir Putin ahead of today's summit. Keir, what's the reaction in Russia? Lester, Russian media is portraying President Putin as a statesman and the summit as historic. Television networks here praising Putin for taking tough questions at his news conference from U.S. reporters. But his answers were predictable. The same man who we met inside the Kremlin, defensive and blaming America. The question tonight, as President Putin arrives home here in Moscow, will President Biden's personal touch and warnings have any long-term impact? Lester? 
All right, Keir Simmons, thanks. In just 60 seconds, the brutal heat wave in the West. When will it end? And concern increasing about the Delta coronavirus variant and why so many are still not getting vaccinated. In the West, no relief from that dangerous heat wave. Tens of millions still facing triple-digit record-breaking temperatures, straining power grids and causing new drought and wildfire concerns. Here's Miguel Almaguer. The oppressive, stifling heat wave searing the West is tonight delivering some of the most dangerous temperatures of the year, threatening to shatter nearly 200 records through the weekend, some 40 million Americans already under heat advisories, watches, or warnings. It's going to be extremely hot. In California, Death Valley living up to its name, soaring towards 128 degrees. Cities like Las Vegas and Phoenix teetering at roughly 115. The massive heat wave slamming Arizona. After three days of triple-digit heat in Salt Lake City. It's a melt-your-face-off <laughs> kind of day. Even Billings was baking at 108 yesterday. From California to Colorado, there is little relief in the forecast. The West cooking and roads cracking in the extreme weather. Thank you for calling Generator Super Center. In Texas, many are buying generators, fearing the power grid that failed in the record cold may resort to blackouts in this historic heat. In California, power companies are also urging residents to conserve power to avoid outages. Even nightfall isn't bringing cooler temperatures. Already facing a mega drought, the West is also on the brink of another epic fire season. One disaster triggering another as it just begins to heat up. Miguel Almaguer, NBC News. We're also keeping an eye on a potential tropical threat in the Gulf of Mexico. There is a good chance it will become a tropical depression by Friday. The Gulf Coast from East Texas to the Florida Panhandle could get 4 to 12 inches of rain. Tonight, America getting rid of COVID restrictions, but facing a growing threat from the Delta variant of the virus. In the U.S., just under 175 million have received at least one vaccine dose, but that's only about 400,000 more than yesterday's number. Here's Blaine Alexander. Tonight, experts predict the Delta variant, first discovered in India, could soon become the dominant COVID strain in the U.S. It is more transmissible and possibly more dangerous in terms of causing severe disease. All of it only accelerating the rush to get Americans vaccinated. But the Biden administration is running out of time to hit its July 4th goal, 70% of Americans with at least one shot. So far, only about 53% of the country is partially vaccinated. But some states are barely hitting a third of their population, the lowest rates in southern states like Georgia, Alabama, Louisiana, and Mississippi, where only 28% of the state is fully vaccinated. A new poll out today gives some insight into why the rates are lagging. 37% of those asked point to vaccine hesitancy, but nearly double that number say they faced barriers in trying to get the shot. And even as scenes like these are becoming more familiar, Dodger Stadium hosting the largest sports crowd since the start of the pandemic, still some setbacks with a Royal Caribbean cruise ship forced to postpone setting sail after eight crew members tested positive for COVID. On one hand, we're seeing a number of states loosening restrictions, but on the other hand, we're hearing this dire warning about the Delta variant. Is this a confusing message? Well, Blaine, I think what you're hearing uh, is really a message for two different populations, which is that if you are vaccinated, you are still in good shape. But if you are unvaccinated, 
There's still reasons to be cautious, to still wear a mask, to still avoid indoor gatherings. And this week, Vice President Harris will travel to Atlanta, part of the administration's focus on boosting vaccinations in the South. Lester. All right, Blaine, thank you. You can make a plan for when and where to get vaccinated. Visit planyourvaccine.com for more. Late tonight, the House passed a bill that would make June 19th a federal holiday after it was unanimously approved by the Senate. It's known as Juneteenth, a day commemorating the end of slavery. President Biden is expected to sign the bill, establishing the holiday as Juneteenth National Independence Day. Now to our series, America the Vulnerable and the country's digital divide. The Biden administration says broadband should be treated as essential infrastructure to help bridge that gap. But as Jake Ward reports, some states have roadblocks. High school teacher Michelle Galloway spent months struggling to connect with students from her North Carolina farmhouse during the pandemic. Sometimes I would cry after a class. At times, the slow Internet made it nearly impossible to communicate. I had one student to hold up a sign saying, Ms. Galloway, ask that question again. So I wrote it out and held it up. High-speed broadband internet needed for video conferencing has always been hard to get in rural America because companies make less money connecting remote communities than they do cities. But Wilson, North Carolina is an exception. You wouldn't think that a place like this has world-class broadband speeds, but the truth is it does. But in order to actually connect all of these houses, crews have to install fiber optic cable like these. After a large cable company refused to partner with Wilson, the city spent $32 million to create its own broadband network, making high-speed internet a public utility here, available to anyone in the county, like gas or electricity. We didn't just cherry-pick the most profitable or potentially profitable regions. Only two cities in North Carolina are allowed to provide internet this way because state law, backed by the telecom industry, now essentially forbids Internet as a public utility on the grounds of fair competition. Eighteen other states have similar laws. But just 30 miles north of Wilson, Rocky Mount's mayor says the law is holding his town back. We've got to have the technology to enable our resident population to live here. Residents here say the Internet offered by private companies is so slow, many go to the library for a reliable connection. When I have to do online applications, when I have to apply for jobs or look for rental assistance. Michelle Galloway is now connected to Wilson's high-speed network and says the issue of access could be a learning opportunity for her students. It would be a wonderful group project. Why do 18 states take this perspective on the expansion of broadband internet. Jake Ward, NBC News, Wilson, North Carolina. Up next, tips on getting the home you want in a red-hot market. Back with a new report revealing the staggering scope of the housing crunch in the U.S. Stephanie Rule now with what buyers need to know. Here, let me just show you that. On paper, Danielle and Kristen Sills are the perfect first-time home buyers. Our credit is impeccable. Our savings are in check. Uh, we have zero debt, but in this market, we cannot compete. They've upped their budget and widened their search of the Boston area, but the last house they bid on had 29 offers. It sold for about 70 or 80,000 over what the asking price was, and it was a 1,200 square foot home.
One of the biggest issues, the lack of homes for sale, 20% fewer compared to a year ago. We've built fewer homes this last decade than any decade going back to the 1960s. So going into the pandemic, we were already facing a housing shortage and it's just gotten so much worse. A new report finds the pace of construction slowed, creating a shortage of more than five and a half million units. You can't just flip a switch and create more housing. The advice for buyers, do your research on what homes really sell for, not just the list price, and know your budget and your limit. When might we see the housing market cool down? I think the housing market has already started to cool a bit, but it's not going to be a situation where buyers are going to get a better deal if they wait. Competition fierce with buyers making big life changes as we move toward a post-pandemic world. Stephanie Rule, NBC News. A major announcement today from the Education Department saying Title IX discrimination protections extend to transgender students. That's a reversal from the Trump era. It comes as a growing number of states consider laws limiting transgender rights. Our Joe Fryer spoke with teens feeling the impact. For teens facing adversity, we begin with a question about positivity. Dylan, tell me, in the last year... What has brought you joy? I know that people have my back, and that's one of the best feelings in the whole world. A question I asked Dylan, Sam, and Phoenix, three transgender teenagers. What brings you joy? Um, I'd say love and support from people around me. Heather, do you see that happiness right now? I can see this smile, so that's all that matters to me. But they'll tell you joy takes time. Finally, I've... <laughs> kind of being able to express myself and finally kind of get some relief. It evolved out of the cocoon into a beautiful butterfly. <laughs> now, mental health experts worry a recent wave of legislation targeting the trans community, more than 100 bills in over 30 states, is marginalizing kids who already face higher rates of depression and anxiety. What helps, experts say, is getting gender-affirming care, like puberty blockers and hormones. Since starting on um, my gender-affirming care, my confidence and happiness and overall mental health well-being has just shot up, and I'm doing so much better. But Dylan lives in Arkansas, which is banning such care for minors. I'm worried that all of the progress that he has made um, could, could come to a halt. His family is now part of a lawsuit challenging the law, hoping Dylan can continue to get the care that brings him joy. So it, it really it opens the door to a whole world of opportunities and possibilities when you're not hiding within yourself. Joe Fryer, NBC News. You can see more of Joe's reporting in a one-hour special, Trans America, streaming on NBC News Now tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern. We want to now welcome two new members of the NBC News family, our correspondent Gotti Schwartz and wife Kimmy Tobin, welcoming their first baby, Kira Satsuko, on Tuesday. And Chief White House correspondent Kristen Welker and husband John Hughes celebrating the arrival of their first baby, Margot Lane Welker Hughes. Over the weekend, everyone is said to be doing well. Our congratulations to both families. And I'll be back with some final thoughts on this historic day. Some final thoughts before we go tonight. Until lately, by necessity, we've all been communicating from afar, and we know often that subtleties and nuances get lost or misunderstood. What we sometimes crave is proximity. In the end, that's what summits are about, proximity. 
We know that Presidents Biden and Putin sat down today with full understanding of the issues and the positions each had staked out. But seeing the handshake, as obligatory as it was, watching them come eye to eye, taking measure of the other, one couldn't help but wonder, could they, would they reach an understanding? Or would it be a mere photo op? There is no reason to believe that because they met, the world is any safer or any less safe than it was yesterday. Each had a version to share with reporters about their meeting today. And those words and characterizations will be thoroughly examined from all angles as we process what the lasting impact of this summit will be. Chances are it won't be earth-shaking, but perhaps it will be a lot more than just a handshake and a photo. That's nightly news for this Wednesday in Geneva. Thank you for watching, everyone. I'm Lester Holt. Please take care of yourself and each other. Good night. Hey, NBC News viewers, thanks for checking out our YouTube channel. Subscribe by clicking on that button down here and click on any of the videos over here to watch the latest interviews, show highlights, and digital exclusives. Thanks for watching. that this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only and is in no way a replacement for legal or medical advice. The opinions contained within are solely those of the interviewers and interviewees and should be received as so. Those seeking help or advice are encouraged to obtain professional legal and medical services.